Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Joining me is my co-host, Brent Hud-Hud-Hikus. Follow him at Brent Hikus, H-E-I-K-E-S, on Twitter. Brent, we have an awesome guest tonight, and we have a ton of great information, so we're going to hop right into that. And now, for our main event. For tonight's main event, we welcome on Jordan Richards. He does design work for the rocket ship that is the Destination Devi podcast, the All Gas Show on YouTube, and video production for FTN Fantasy. You can join the All Gas Army at patreon.com slash allgas and follow Jordan on Twitter at chaboyjrich. That's C-H-A-B-O-Y-J-Rich. In addition, if you have your own business uh, or work in marketing or advertising, in the Toronto area especially, go to his website, jordanrichards.ca. Check out the services that he offers for social media, social media, photography, and videography. You will not regret it. So, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was easily the best intro I've ever got. Damn. <laughs> got, nice. you, you hit all avenues, man. Oh, my goodness. I feel like whew, I'm ready to go now. We're trying oh to my right God. around here. You guys just, man, the research, you said, oh, patreon.com slash all gas, join the army, hit up his website. Perfect, man. If you're going to take time out of your day to come on with us, the least we can do is give you a proper introduction. Ah, thank you for having me, man. I I appreciate it so much. Uh, You guys, uh, so, so appreciate if you guys to reach out to me and uh, have me on your show. I'm honored, honored to be here, honestly. So thank you. We're honored to have you. I've been a longtime listener of the Destination Debbie podcast, and I'm not a routine i'm not a regular viewer of the all gas show but i have watched a few episodes so i I like what you guys are doing across all the platforms and it's really exciting to have you on the show so thank you for joining us yeah thank you you are from toronto which makes you the first canadian ever to appear on the show so to start we're going to do something fun we're going to play a little game called overrated or underrated i'll say i've listed 10 things and i'm going to say each one and then you tell me whether it's overrated or underrated you game for that Oh, yeah, let's do it. This is one of my favorite games to play. (laughs) All right. Me and Brad are probably going to take turns on these. So the first one's maple syrup. Underrated. Underrated. Get real maple syrup. Underrated as fuck. (laughs) Tim Hortons. Overrated. Like very overrated. Especially their coffee. Their coffee tastes like dirt. (laughs) Your fellow Canadian, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is underrated. Guys, he's going to be the next great running back. Not because he's Canadian. Not because he averaged 10 yards a carry in high school. Not because he led the nation in rushing. Because he's fucking awesome. I love Chuba Hubbard. He's dope. Snow. Man, snow is... I got to say snow is overrated. Because people like to ski and snowboard, and I'm not really down with that. I'd be cool with no snow. So, to me, snow is overrated. Hockey. I guess hockey's kind of, I, I guess hockey's kind of overrated where I live because everyone loves the Leafs, but the Leafs suck. So it's like, I don't know if you guys follow hockey, but the Leafs literally spent, I think they have three of the top five or three of the top 10 highest paid forwards in the league and they are not in first place. How are they not overrated? How is hockey not overrated? I, I don't mind hockey, but I think hockey's a little bit overrated. Canadians love hockey. I get it. I respect it. I don't like it as much as other sports. Right. CFL legend, Doug Flutie. 
He's a little before my time, so he's a little bit overrated. I, 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 I'm still a little bit too young to, to be in the Doug Flutie days, but I'm, I sh- I'm sure he was great. I'm sure people respected him. I'm a little young for Doug Flutie too, but I did look up some stats for him, so Brent's going to read those off for Doug he, Flutie's resume. He led teams to three great Cup victories. He holds a professional football record for 6,619 yards passing in a signal season. He led the league in passing five times in only eight seasons. He earned three Grey Cup Cup MVP awards and was named CFL's Most Outstanding Player a record six times. He passed for 5,000-plus yards six times in his career and remains the only player in pro football history to pass for 6,000-plus yards in a season twice in his career. And in 2006, Flutie was named the greatest Canadian Football League player of all time by TSN. In 2007, he was named Canada's Sports Hall of Fame, the first non-Canadian to be inducted. Okay, now let me the, ask you. The resume. Let me ask you one question: <laughs> Do you care? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that to me is what it comes down to. Is like as much I get that there's fans of the CFL. I appreciate that there are fans of the CFL. I don't give a rat's ass. What the <laughs> I like it is not the NFL. Never be the NFL. Like one player a year goes from the CFL to the NFL. I just don't care. I I've played <laughs> against CFL players in flag football leagues. Yeah, they're really good, but it's just they. It's just I don't know, man. I just don't really care about it. And that's and that's funny that you say that because I care. I, I I cared about him when he played for the Buffalo Bills. So. Obviously, yeah. I, don't, I don't care too much about his. <laughs> but the CFL side, it's like I don't. I, that's overrated. Like I just don't. I don't care. Like there's like people don't know Anthony Calvillo. He's like probably the next greatest behind Doug Flutie. He threw for a shitload of yards, and and people need to realize that the field in the CFL is like it's like ten feet wider than it is in the NFL. So yeah, guys are wide open like crazy because there's so much more field and there's an extra player, and it's just. I'm just not impressed. I'm just not. I, by any CFL record, like every year, some random guy who no one's heard of is rushing for like 1,500 yards in the CFL. Have you ever done fantasy football in CFL? I, I no, I don't. No. Does it exist? I don't know. If it does <laughs> exist, it's new. It, it, it might exist. And it, if it does, it's very new. But I don't, I don't, no, I have not. To I mean, be they sure, had I it have for not. the XFL. You'd think they'd have it for the CFL. Yeah, but I think this XFL is still more popular than the CFL because The Rock just bought the XFL today. Yeah, straight to the top. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Poutine. Man, people are going to like this. It's overrated. (laughs) It's overrated. I don't really... I don't really like poutine that much. It's It's just not my vibe. But I get why people like it. And I lived in Ottawa. I went to school in Ottawa, so like that's a lot closer to Quebec. Better poutine and stuff there. Uh, my Canadian friends are not going to like that. I think it's overrated, but it's overrated. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for it, but it's overrated. Brent didn't know what like half the things on this list were, and that was one of them. I don't, I don't know Tim Hortons. I didn't know poutine. So. <laughs> Tim Hortons is going south. It got bought by Burger King. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to try it sometime if it ever comes. If it ever gets there, yeah. It's in Buffalo and stuff. Like oh, It's okay. in New York, I'm pretty sure. All right, next one. How nice Canadian people are. The nicest. The nicest, man. Um, so, underrated then? Or? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess they are okay. underrated. Well, no. no, well, they're, Yeah, they're underrated. Canadian people are pretty awesome. You know, you're, you're never really... 
never really too nah it's they're underrated they're underrated because they're a lot cooler than you americans give us credit for that that to me is the problem they think we're just like nice people and who are just like stupid no man we're cool (laughs) you kind of answered the next one already it was canadian football and i'm pretty sure you said that was overrated so is that fair it is very overrated okay the last one and th- this one we're kind of setting you up here so the united states overrated or underrated overrated <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry guys but just look at the state of your country right now it's it's a little bit overrated the intelligence is sh- it's shocking <laughs> i can't i can't tell you the amount of times i'll send my buddy i'm like yo look at the chart in florida today holy fuck can you believe this shit like we live in toronto and it was and it's pretty bad so like being in the gta because i live like half an hour from toronto we get it the worst because people commute like crazy like it's it's like a million commuters a day so we had to actually be cautious because toronto was pretty bad and all that stuff and being in that proximity we had to be really careful but you know our cases go down and you guys are like coronavirus let's fucking just go outside let's do whatever let's go to the beach we're the fuck is going on? <laughs> so i mean it's bad because we laugh and like people are in danger but it's just it's crazy to see all this shit going on it's would you crazy. i hope you guys are staying safe we are would your answer have been different before coronavirus no i don't think so <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so I, I i like living in canada as much as you know i wish i could go to football games more and stuff like that uh and i wish our dollar wasn't so shitty but um, otherwise, I do appreciate the free healthcare and um, and the safety that I that I am afforded living in Canada for sure. That was fun. I enjoyed that. So thank you for participating in our silly little game. No problem. So now let's it. let's dive into the main event. Uh, we're previewing the NFC East, so we have the Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, and the Washington Football Team. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, new name. Be an interesting. I think they're just trying to double down on the merchandise sales. A hundred percent. They're <laughs> fucking crooks, man. It's so bullshit. It's so bullshit. Like I don't know how they're getting away with this. It's so stupid. Like people are actually gonna buy those t-shirts. Why are you putting them out? And then they're gonna just gonna say, "Oh, we're gonna call them the Red Tails," and they're gonna sell a fuckload of new jerseys and new everything. It's man, it's dumb. I, I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, Dan Snyder's playing enough. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, so let's start with our dynasty buy. We'll give you the first word, Jordan, as our guest. Who is your dynasty buy from the NFC East? So I struggle with this a lot. I think it's Michael Gallup, and the reason why is because he was an eleven hundred yard receiver, playing on one of the best offenses in football. And still has one of the best quarterbacks in football, but people are worried that CeeDee Lamb's going to take his job. It's a lot more likely that he takes um, Amari Cooper's job than Michael Gallup losing his job. Michael Gallup's in the last year of his contract, I believe, so he could be on his way out, but he's going to be able to sign to a team that will afford him a lot of opportunity. He's a great downfield receiver. Obviously, we, if you've scouted him, you should know that he has, he's a great ball tracker especially. And he's a great deep ball specialist. He runs really good out routes and comeback routes um, from just my own scouting process. And to me, he's a big time buy because with all the CD Lamb hype, he's going at a discount right now. And I think you're going to want to buy him up while you still can. 
That's awesome because that was my answer too. I will correct you on one thing you mentioned though. He's not in the last year of his contract. He has 2021 under contract with Cowboys as well. And then that's the end of his rookie deal. So last year was just his second year. But I'm right there with you as far as having him as a buy. He's currently going number 70 overall, wide receiver 34 and nice ADP per DLF. Last year he finished as wide receiver 30 despite missing two games to a meniscus tear he suffered in week two. Finished number 17 in fantasy points per game, just over 15 a game. You mentioned how many yards he had last year. Uh, and that was fueled by his 16.8 yards per reception, number 10 in the league in yards per reception. Gets up through both the air, which he was number 14 in completed air yards, and after the catch, he was number 22 in yak. So he can do it all. He's tethered to Dak Prescott, as you mentioned. Perfect situation for him. Uh, I think he's in line to get a significant workload. Uh, the biggest concern with him is the drops. He was number one in the league with drop and drops last season with 11 however he did offset some of that with his contested catch rate which was number 17 in the league so he's frustrating the coaches with those drops but at least he's impressing them with uh his ability to make catches in traffic and contested catches 6-1-205 he has a size to be successful on the outside opposite Amari Cooper and he's proven he can do that uh he only played 10 percent of his slots in the snap last or his snaps in the slot last season so I think they have room there to put in C.D. Lamb and then have Gallup and Cooper on the outside and really have a dynamic receiving core in that offense. So he's my dynasty buy as well. Good pick. Definitely. Yeah, I good like pick. It. Yeah, very good. I, I I thought about Gallup, but luckily I didn't I didn't pick him either. I, I didn't realize he was first in drops, so that kind of kind of Yeah, he had some drop bit. issues last year. Yeah. Um, but my buy is same team, Tony Pollard. Um, before I talk about Pollard, I want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott a little bit. Elliott averaged over 24 touches a game in his 56 NFL games. That's quite a bit of touches, so he's taken a toll. His best year was his rookie year, and it's he's sort of gone down. I wouldn't say year by year he's going down, but he's gone down since. He's 25 years old now, and he got his huge contract. And history tells us that he's not going to get better as he gets older. So he's at that magic age of 25, so – Next year, maybe Tony Pollard could have a bigger role or maybe have, have the role in the offense. Um, Pollard ranked seventh in missed tackles for forced, for forced per attempt and second in rushing yards after contract, contact per attempt among all running backs with 25-plus carries. He had 101 touches for 562 yards, and that's over five and a half yards per touch, but he only got three touchdowns. So I expect bumps, definitely a bump in touchdowns. Um, maybe he'll get around six, maybe more. Um, he'll definitely get bumps and touches or carries, receptions, total yards. And with those touches and a great offense like the Dallas Cowboys offense, he'll be a, a good start at your flex position this year and could possibly be a running back too this year. And also, can you imagine his value if Ezekiel Elliott got hurt or even left Dallas? So, he, I mean, this year already, if, if Ezekiel got hurt, he could be a league winner. So that, that's why I really like Tony Pollard. Um, he looked really good at times just on film last year, and he's going to have a bigger role this year. I expect him to catch a lot more passes than he did last year. So I'm a big fan of Tony, Pall- Tony Pollard. Yeah, I don't want to go into Tony Pollard too much because I like him, but I'm not as high as you, so maybe I'll touch on him a little later in our show. Uh-oh. But, but uh, yeah. You better I think- not. <laughs> 
so yeah, I'll let that kind of sit there until it's my turn. Did you have anything you want to add on that, Jordan? Um, I would say if if you have from been familiar with mine and Ray's content, we're both really big fans of Tony Pollard. We both think that he has a lot of standalone value even beyond just what he has as his asset right now as Ezekiel's handcuff, which is tremendous. You look at Alexander Madison and these guys, Tony Pollard to me is still the number one handcuff in, in fantasy right now. And it's because he has that standalone value to be a weapon uh, for the Cowboys on this pass, ha- pass happy and run heavy offense, honestly. And you think about what Pollard can do in the open field. He breaks tackles. He can run pretty good routes. He can catch passes. And as well, Dallas has a very top-heavy offense. If you look at their target share breakdown, they basically only throw to three receivers, their tight end, and their two running backs. Everything else is very scarce as far as targets go. And so it's very top-heavy in that respect. And that's why people like the Gallops, the CD Lambs, because they focus on basically their core guys, their core athletes. And Tony Pollard is definitely going to be one of them. And for all we know, if CD doesn't actually perform the way we hope he will, it's going to be Pollard to kind of fill that gap until CD's ready to really take that leap. I don't expect that to happen, but if it did, there's definitely room for Pollard to grow in that respect playing out of the slot. And if one of those three receivers happens to get hurt, I think Pollard will be filling that role too. So Absolutely. I'll go first with my dynasty cell. So mine was Zach Ertz. He's currently going number 71 overall and has tight end five in dynasty leagues. Actually one pick behind Michael Gallup, who was our dynasty by Jordan. Uh, he finished his tight end two last season, but he turns 30 this season. And after 2021, the Eagles can get out of his contract without any cap penalties. Uh, the Eagles have Dallas Goddard, who was actually a tight end one himself last season at tight end 10. He's only 25, has an expiring contract after the 2021 season. So they're going to have to make a choice after 2021, probably between Goddard and Ertz, who they resigned. And I think Goddard's in the position that they could potentially give him the money as opposed to uh, keeping Zach Ertz around, given he'll be 31 at that point. Uh, Ertz gets a ton of volume. He had 135 targets last year, 88 catches, 916 yards, six touchdowns. However, that was down from 156 targets in 2018, which is absurd to say. That's a ton of targets for a tight end, uh, despite all the wide receiver injuries. And the reason he saw those targets go down, or at least part of it, was because of Dallas Goddard, who saw his targets go from 44 to 87, almost doubling last season. Uh, Ertz did have nine drops as well, so we mentioned Michael Gallup's drop issues. Ertz was number one among tight ends and drops. Uh, I think we're slowly seeing the passing of the torch from Ertz to Goddard. After 2021, it's likely that the Eagles will move on from Ertz. I can't see him getting anywhere near the volume he's enjoyed with the Eagles from any other team, especially at that stage in his career. Uh, so I think now would I, – I think you could probably get through this season with Ertz, but if you can get good value now, I would consider selling him, and I would not be holding him at the end of 2021. Some of the recent trades I found on the DLF Trade Finder were Ertz in a third, 2021 third for Robert Woods, Zach Ertz in 208 for Mark Andrews, and Zach Ertz for Kareem Hunt, Brian Edwards. I probably – like the value you're getting in those types of deals. If you do look to move him, I would look for something along those lines in order to move Zach Ertz. So I think you have some time, but I, I would be looking to sell him sooner rather than later at this point. Yeah, man. I, I like, like that it, a lot. Man. I like it. I, I mean, I think it's a little easy if I'm being honest. <laughs> I think, I think we've all kind of seen the ascension of Goddard and the, and the decline of Ertz. That's where it's really interesting because if they do re-sign Ertz because Wentz really pushes for it, that would really throw a wrench into fantasy owners' minds because that's what we're all expecting. Even when Goddard was drafted, we're like, two years, Ertz is gone. You know, that's when the dead cap is low. 
and we've already seen the kind of passing of the torch Goddard, but Goddard's such a good player. Like they, there's almost no way they don't do that. But I, I definitely agree with you. But I think that as far as dynasty owners go, they are noticing that that's going to happen. And so people have started to really depreciate his value. He's not the tight end three anymore. He's not even tight end four or five. Sometimes he's slipping to tight end six, tight end seven, sometimes in, in dynasty, depending on obviously your format and your draft, but for one year, he should be solid. So I still get him as a sell. If you want to sell mid season, you'll probably get a better return than if you try and sell him right now. I get it. I, I agree with you guys about Ertz. Um, the only thing that kind of worries me about it is if they are successful with Goddard and Ertz playing at the same time, um, I mean, maybe they might end up keeping Ertz. They might send him to – they might extend his contracts. So that's one of the only thing that kind of worries me a little bit. The only well, thing the only that th- made me doubt that is that are they going to want to spend that much on keeping both of those tight ends in the same offseason? If maybe it's they that will. successful, they might. I don't know. And well, you got to remember, too, though, the, the wide receivers have been – they haven't been there, right? So you yeah. think about drafting Rager. Marquise. Marquise, that's what he's Marquise actually, he's actually opting. He's actually opting out this year, too, though. Is he opting out? Oh, mm-hmm. man, I love that guy. He's so fast. Um, but, yeah, you think about Jeffrey still there. He'll probably be gone, like, bringing in Rager. I still think there's going to be a lot. And then the other guy that – I mean, we may talk about him later is uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, right? He's looking like he's not a good fantasy option right now, but he's so cheap. It's like – you never know. And, and if he ascends and he takes over that Alshon Jeffrey role, he's going to have value too. And I think that's all of those targets. Every guy we mentioned can take targets away from Zach Ertz. And that's the problem with owning him right now. He can lose targets to every player on the team because he's not going to get 150 this year. There's almost no way. Um, Rager will ascend. Miles Sanders could ascend. Boston Scott may be involved, you know. Uh, if Jeffrey comes back and commands a lot of targets, all of these guys are going to – they're still going to get targets. And, you know, Wentz still going to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, and I think even if they resign both, like you mentioned, Brent, it would be easy to envision a scenario where Goddard's the tight end one and getting all a majority of the targets, and Ertz kind of fades away over time. Yeah, and that could happen even this year too. Yeah, Brent, do you want to do your dynasty sell? Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys won't like this one. I don't think <laughs> you're, you're going to hate this. But my dynasty sell, especially Jordan, Jordan might hate this. Dynasty sell is Miles Sanders. He's he, he, he's a good athlete, good athlete. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'll give it to him. He's a good athlete. And I think he definitely has a role to play in the NFL for years to come. Um, but as a third down running back. This year, I, I did hear Deuce Staley say they're going to feed him. They're going to they're gonna feed the crap out of him. He's, he might get a lot of carries this year. That's why I'm considering him as a dynasty sell. He's going to get his touches this year as long as he can stay healthy. Um, but from what I've seen, he is not a natural runner. He's a slow processor. He's a poor decision maker. Um, and like I said, his future is, is, is a third down back, um, whether it be at Philadelphia or somewhere else. But um, I definitely see an, him sharing his time in the backfield with someone else. Probably not much this year because that's pretty much all they got, him and Boston Scott. So they'll be feeding Miles Sanders this year. I mean, if you think about it last year, he got beat out by Jordan Howard last year. And he didn't get the opportunity to really play until Jordan Howard got hurt. And, I mean, if you look at the stats, he did similar to what Jordan Howard did with his opportunity, aside from the the reception. So I'll I'll give him that. And like I said, he's a third down back, and I think he'll get get his receptions. And the last part of the year, um, when he did decent, 
he played against very easy defenses. He played against the Giants twice. He played against Washington. Played against Dallas. And if you look, Dallas was not that good of a defense last year. And he also played against the Miami Dolphins. Boston Scott outcarried him 11-8 to inside the 10-yard line after Jordan Howard's, Jordan Howard's injury. And um, Scott, Scott outscored him in touchdowns during inside the 10, 4-1 to on those carries. So, I mean, I mean, Scott, you would think that he'd be the third down back or, or, or maybe just – I mean, you see Scott as like a re- receiving type back. Um, but still, he looked better than Miles Sanders, even in, inside the 10-yard line. And I don't know, just from what I see of Sanders, maybe it'll, it'll improve in the second year, but he just does not seem like a natural runner. It just slow at processing, running into, the, running into his linemen. It, it just kind of bothers me. And I will not have him on any of my teams this year. So I'm definitely selling – Miles Sanders. So go ahead and butcher me, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> I think if you're building a case to sell Miles Sanders, the one thing I would mention is that his DLF Dynasty ADP at this point is the seventh overall player. He's going as in the top ten there, and he's going as running back. Uh, let's see, number seven as well. So I think if you're selling him, you're saying maybe he'll still be a really good running back and be a serviceable a good reliable starter in your fantasy team, but you can probably get more value in a trade for him right now than what yeah. you see him having yeah. going forward. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say really good running back. Um, he's definitely going to be fantasy relevant <laughs> for years to come, but I would not say really good running back. No. All right. I bought you some time, Jordan, so let's hear <laughs> it. I can see your facial expressions over there. You got some good stuff. Let's hear it. Let's Ryan. hear it. Let's hear it. It's not that I disagree with you because where you are absolutely correct is he is, his value is sky high. And so if you're saying I'm selling on value, I'd be like, okay, no problem. But the Boston Scott argument, touchdowns aren't sticky. So that's not going to happen this year. So I'm not going to buy that argument. He's a really good receiving back, but so is Austin Eckler and Austin Eckler is going to be a future back. So when we're talking about receiving backs, are, are we not taking him because you think he's not a good running back? Or are you taking him because you don't think he's a good runner? Because we've seen, if you're playing in a PPR league, receiving backs who can catch the ball 70 times a year and maybe only get 150 carries, Alvin Kamara-like, you know, like there's lots of guys who can do that and still be RB1s and especially have very high floors, which is what we want from our top picks. So that's kind of my argument. I get if you want to make the case of the Philly RBBC, that's a valid argument. We haven't seen them go feature back yet, but I would be hard pressed to find a running back that's going to come in and take his job. Jordan Howard's a very talented running back. I forget what the stat is about how, when he entered the league, but he's like second or third in total rushing yards since he entered the league. So he's mm-hmm. not a bad first and down running back. And so I get why he was beat out. He beat out Miles Sanders on a first and second down basis. Miles Sanders is a rookie for all we know. Doug Peterson is very hard in his rookies. He doesn't want him to start right away. But if I'm talking about a guy who could be a top five running back if everything went right, Miles Sanders is one of those guys. Like, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball fairly well. Maybe you say he's a slow processor, but I would also say that Philly doesn't have the best offensive line last season. So what is he really working with? And this year, to be fair, they're not necessarily going to be much better. But I think where they will be a lot better is that he's going to have better receivers on the outside to help stretch the field. Right. Last year, they didn't have any receivers. So, yeah, he's getting bottled up. But I believe he was still a top six back in the second half of the season. So if you're going to if you're going to buy that and kind of ride it into this year, 
it seems apropos that he could potentially return that value. And that's why I'm, I don't know if I'm buying Sanders, but I don't know if I'm selling him because guys behind him, like, well, Clyde Edwards is layers behind him, but that's because his value hasn't changed yet. He'll be ahead of him soon enough. Josh Jacobs is behind him. You know, I'm iffy on that. I like Jacobs. I don't know if I believe in the receiving upside that people seem to still believe is there because of what he did in college. So there's that aspect. Jonathan Taylor, I can totally go on board if you want Jonathan Taylor over Miles Sanders. I don't think you make that decision today. Then you have Derrick Henry, who I'm not taking over Miles Sanders because I don't believe in the receiving side if you're playing PBR. Then you get to J.K. Dobbins, who right now is RB13, which is insane because he's not going to play. But next year, that guy's a top five running back. So how do you value that? Do you trade Sanders for a guy like Dobbins, but then you're kind of tanking, you know, like you may get a little bit more in return, but then you're kind of tanking. I just don't know if trading him is a way to win unless you get like, I don't even know where I'd go because you'd have to almost trade him for like Derrick Henry plus Kenyon Drake plus, you know, Swift plus acres plus, but you're taking a big hit in potential production. Like one trade I see, if we're just going based off ADP, you have Miles Sanders if you trade him for Leonard Fournette, if you believe Fournette can be a feature back beyond this season, which I actually do. I, I think he's a great value this year because he's not really that injury prone. He's due for touchdown regression. And even if he doesn't, he was still a great running back last season. So if you pull a trade like that, you trade Sanders for Fournette in the first, Fournette and another wide receiver, maybe that's a trade that I could be more on board with because you're probably going to get similar production. But to trade – Sanders, just because you think he's not the best running back, I just think that I can't really get on board because, to your point, you could say he's a third down back, but I think what you're really saying is he's an excellent pass catcher and he's excellent in the receiving game, right? You're kind of just like throwing the – slapping the third down back label on him, but change of pace backs can matter in fantasy. Yeah. And if, oh, they yeah. get a little bit of, if they get a little bit of extra rushing production, like we know Sanders will, that's when you get to that top echelon of running back, you know, in that top six, top seven. So that's where I don't know if I can get on board with selling them, but the process, I don't hate it. I'm not going to cuss you out. I'm not going to do anything <laughs> like that. You know, you're not an idiot. You're not fucking stupid. You know, it's just I get it from a value standpoint. But for me, I can't quite get that far unless, you like, unless you're kind of tanking a bit and you want to believe in JK, you want to believe in JT, you know, someone else who is like fucking star in the making um, for the sake of kind of just taking a hit for one year. You know who he reminds me of a little bit is Alvin Kamara. Like, never going to get a ton of volume in the receive in the Russian game, but will do enough there to be a potential running back one or consistent running back one in conjunction with his receiving game. So, kind of like you mentioned, Austin Eckler, I think is another example of that same type of profile. And obviously, their skill levels are all very different, but that's kind of the role I could see him having in an offense is something yeah like I kind of see him as just like a better runner worse receiver of a Kamara so if you just like take some and the thing with Kamara that's like people just I don't know if people don't realize it but people don't give him enough credit for being 215 pounds and he can run through anybody I agree agree. but he and that's that's where that's something that Sanders can't do he is very strong he's not Kamara strong um Sanders is 211 pounds though so he's not far off from size wise where Kamara oh yeah yeah. I'm not talking about I'm not I'm not talking about weight but like when you look at Kamara he looks like he's like 200 pounds because he's like he's so thin but his muscles are so dense he's so strong that he can run through anybody and that's what's crazy about someone like him is like you can't bring him down he has that touchdown ceiling because of the offense he plays on but also his style right and he's Mr. 81 receptions three years in a row he's caught 81 passes 
right? Sanders could do that. He probably won't. I think he's just kind of lean more on the rushing and uh, then the receiving if you want to kind of make that Kamara-style comp. Um, yeah. I just think he's more of like a balanced back, you know? Like he'll probably get 200 carries and catch the ball 60 times, which is – that's valuable. Yeah, it's not perfect because last year Kamara only played 14 games and Sanders played all 16, but – Sanders had 179 carries. Kamara had 171. Sanders did not have as many receptions, only 50, but it was his rookie season. Kamara had 81. So, like, there is some difference, but I was just meaning from, like, kind of a role. I, I agree with you, though, probably a little more rushing on Sanders' side and a little less receiving overall. Yeah. And obviously and I, the value skews, right, to the receiving for, for the t- per, per target fantasy point totals, right? Yeah, and PPR, definitely. Brent, do you want to rebut anything? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sanders, he's good. Don't get me wrong there. I just think he's – where he's at right now, he's at the highest point where he's going to be in his whole career. So, I mean, why not sell him right now? And, I mean, this year, yes, he's going to get his touches. He's going to get his catches. And I don't think he'll be that successful doing this and they'll bring someone else in next year and he'll be sharing next year. And yes, he's, he's not going to be Elvin Kamara. Uh, Elvin Kamara's to me, Kamara's uh, quite a bit ahead of um, Miles Sanders, but um, I mean, I can see them bringing in someone like a Jordan Howard to help out Miles Sanders and they can have that one, two punch. And I'm not saying Miles Sanders is bad um, just for fantasy football wise. He's needs to be brought down a little bit to, I mean, Eckler. I mean, yeah, I get the comparison with Eckler. Um, I, I am a little bit down on Eckler this year too, um, probably because I'm high on their backup, like Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly, I guess. But um, I, I see I see those guys taking some touches of what running, like rushing attempts from Austin Eckler. So that's just my thoughts on it. Um, Sanders, I think he's at the highest, his highest value right now. So now if you let me rebuttal that quickly is name another running back, not name Alvin Kamara, who is not at their ceiling on ahead of him. You talk about Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon ahead of Miles Sanders. Josh Jacobs. I like Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs better. That's what I'm saying. Like all those guys, according to your theory, you should be selling because they're not going up. They're not going up in value. You don't think Josh Jacobs can go up in value? No, Josh Jacobs is below him. I'm talking about okay. all the guys above Sanders right now. Okay. According to your theory, they're all or your ideology that you're 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 but, giving us but right now. They, they're they're they all can, cells. They can stay at that at that area for another but, year or two. But why can't Sanders? I don't see it happening. Because like even if they bring another running back, why does that hurt his value so detrimentally? Take you his know, touchdowns, like, take his touchdowns away, take his rushing yards away. But it might make him more efficient. It might. If you think um, he's not a very good running back, maybe it's because he can't handle that full workload. But as we as we've already seen, Kamara, a guy who's extremely efficient, why can't Sanders be that or similarly efficient? Well, it helps Kamara has Drew Brees on his team. So. Oh, for sure. But he's just they're just they're I think I personally think they're both excellent talents, but I think that if you're gonna say that he's more of a third down back, I think Philly really needs that. And yeah. if he only gets 150, 160 carries and he catches the ball 70 times, I don't think that he can't allow another running back to rush the ball 150 times beside him, you know? 
Yeah. And and at least for me, coming this coming rookie class is tr- like the running backs. I don't like them very much personally. You know, so like as much as there may be a guy like I don't see them bringing in a free agent. They'll all be too expensive, unless maybe it's like a Chris Carson, on like the cheap. He can be a thumper, but I don't think Chris Carson's going to want to play next to Miles Sanders. So that's where there's a lot of free agents. There's some okay rookies that I don't love, um, for at least from what I've seen so far. And I don't see them drafting a guy who, you know, like to me, it's Chuba, Etienne, and Najee Harris. They're not going to bring in Max Borg because he does the same thing. And I don't think they're bringing in Verdell because he doesn't really fit their system very well. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, behind him, I don't even know who would be the next guy. There's, there are some guys who are okay, but there isn't like that top of the line guy that could maybe replace Sanders, take work away yeah. from him. And I, I mean, think it'd always... be a free agent who'd be too expensive to bring in. I agree. It probably would be a free agent, but you got to remember, I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who, who thought, whoever thought that he would be the first running back taken in the, in the draft this past year. No, so, I agree. But I mean, like then we're just, but then we're, but yeah. then we're betting on outliers, right? Like it's, yeah. we're not living in the realm of possibilities. That's more likely to happen. That's all. And like, there could be a running back. I mean, I don't, I don't know about unknown guys. Maybe you never know. Like there's the guy from Buffalo, uh, Jordan Patterson, who's pretty mm-hmm. good. He could rise up boards. Um, there's a bunch of guys who maybe could be something, but definitely Boston Scott is not a concern of mine. No. Um, no. He was cut from New Orleans for a reason. He didn't, he didn't cut it there. He, he wasn't useful, and they brought on guys who were a lot worse than him. Maybe he found a role with Philly, and it kind of worked out. But at least for me, I, I do trust Sean Payton and the Saints' uh, ta- talent evaluation skills. They've done a lot with guys that seemingly – didn't see, didn't have a whole lot going on. They're great evaluators. And for them to cut him, I'm like, not that I saying I won't own him, but that says a lot to me um, versus other teams who may cut guys who go on to have great careers somewhere else. I don't see that as much with the saints person. And, and the reason why I brought up Boston Scott and the reason why I brought up Jordan Howard too, is they, they were successful in that offense last year too. So I had to bring that up because Miles Sanders was successful towards the end, the end of the year too. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Scott for sure. and, um, Howard. Does Boston Scott remind you guys of all of Sproles? Well, that's what I think both of them brought him in for, right? You look at New Orleans. When he, remember when he got drafted, like my best friend is a Saints fan. And he was like, who the fuck is Boston Scott? Because he knows I followed the draft. I was like, dude, I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> like, I've never heard of him before. But then we see his stature, how he plays. He's like, they want him to be Darren Sproles. And he, yeah. he wasn't quite for them or his version. And then he goes to Philly, another place where Darren Sproles is very successful. So I think that's kind of how they envision that. Yeah. Um, but I'm really curious why they would do that with, with Sanders there. It would make way more sense for them to bring in like a Marlon Mack, like to your point, next season. Um, that would be a fit that may work a little bit better. I don't know. But, you know, more of a, a first and second down guy than bringing in a receiving back to kind of compete for the same touches that Sanders should be getting. Yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah. there it's definitely a backfield that for fantasy purposes you want to uh, pay attention to because that offense is set up to be pretty good I think going forward mm-hmm. uh, Jordan who's your dynasty sell so my sell I think it's a little bit cheap I'm not not the biggest fan of it I was I was struggling to find a guy that I really liked I like I almost picked Ertz that was a guy who was kind of on my short list that would have been a smart but my, pick. <laughs> <laughs> but my sell is Amari Cooper and the reason why is because there is one, he's going to be out of Dallas in two years, basically for sure. Um, I would see no reason why they wouldn't get rid of him. They were kind of reluctant to sign him in the first place. He kind of just wound up there. They spent the first time they had to re-sign him. Now, if we're talking about his ADP. 
He's 13th in Dynasty ADP. Behind him, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Cooper Cup, DJ Shark, CeeDee Lamb, and Terry McLaurin. And I think I'm pretty close to taking all those guys over Amari Cooper. Not to say that Amari Cooper can't be great, not to say that he's not a great receiver, but we could quickly see C.D. Lamb take over that wide receiver one role in Dallas by next season. And so when you see a guy like Michael Gallup's value falling because they see C.D. Lamb taking over that role, to me it's like, well, why isn't Amari Cooper's value falling? It's still the same. And he's probably going to get cut based off his contract or at least moved on from and in favor of C.D. Lamb Mr. 88 himself, he wasn't given 88 for no reason. We know if you get 88 <laughs> in Dallas, you're going to be a problem, right? They, they, that's, that to me, as crazy as it sounds, I know in Jerry's head, he's like, oh, he's an 88. He's an Irvin. <laughs> he's a Dez, you know? And that's, that's the type of crazy. advanced metric I love to see right there. That, but that's who Jerry is. <laughs> Jerry's crazy, man. He, he's like, nope. Like, you just, I remember I saw the memes of, of CD. It's like, well, oh, CD, you're going to wear 88. And he's like, I don't want to wear 88. I want to wear a number two, right? But it's like, but Jerry's like, nah, you're wearing number 88. And so he's wearing 88 now. I, we, nobody knows why, but I'm, to me, it just, it means something. And honestly, there are just guys I like below him that I think have safer jobs and I think have higher upsides. Metcalf obviously is one of the biggest ones. Ridley, who I'm a big fan of. Sutton, I'm a big fan of who I, I'm not as afraid of Jerry Judy as some people are. Um, I still like Sutton's upside. I still like Sharks upside, especially on a bad on a bad team being in negative game scripts. And I think Terry McLaurin is the same story. I don't think that you're losing any value trading Amari Cooper for any of those guys plus something as far as their dynasty value is concerned. You mentioned his contract and the potential out after next season. So he has a a twenty uh two million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty two if they keep him and if they get rid of him he only has a six million dollar dead cap. So that's very realistic possibility. Yeah, right? especially and, if they backload Dak's contract, right? Like that's that's gonna be the ultimate thing. If they can backload it, if they do signing bonus next year, backload it and get rid of Cooper, then they'll be they'll be good because they'll be losing what, like you said, it's about sixteen million, right? Yeah, and they have two years at that point to see if CD Lamb is what they think he is. Yeah, He's worthy of that number eighty eight. Exactly. Uh, Brent, any thoughts on Amari Cooper? Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, not bad. Um, I wrote about it in, in our about Michael Gallup. He outproduced Cooper towards the end of the last last year too. So I don't have the stats in front of me or anything, but um, Gallup did do better than Cooper for the last half of the year. And now they have CD Lamb. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I am kind of surprised since you're a Calvin Ridley fan. I'm Cooper, great route runner from Alabama too. So I was kind of surprised by that. I think for me, it's the inconsistency, right? Like from a yeah. fantasy perspective, uh, Cooper's going to, he's kind of like the Mike Evans, as mm-hmm. weird as it sounds, because they're so different. He's just, he's too inconsistent to have in fantasy, um, much like Mike Evans is. Like you, you just can't have your studs who's going to, he's probably a second, third round pick right now, dropping zeros uh, multiple yeah. weeks of the season, right? Um, so that's that's why I just can't trust them. I just like the safety and volume of those guys. Like, And the problem with Dallas, too, is that you look at all those other teams, they're probably going to have to pass. Dallas doesn't have to pass to win a game. They could lean on Zeke and Tony Pollard for 40 carries a game, and Dak may only throw the ball 30 times, and for some reason they don't go to Cooper because he's covered by the one, and Gallup's open, and Lamb's open, and Jarwin's open. Like, I could see it being a real possibility for multiple games that you're not just you know one or two. 
And that's one of the reasons why I think it's just, it's a, it's a good time to sell. You're probably selling a year early, but I think obviously better to be a year too early than a year too late. Yeah. Cooper is, he, he's frustrating. He's on one of my dynasty themes and God, I wish I would have traded him last year, but <laughs> I mean, he, he's capable of being one of the better receivers in the NFL, but God, but like you said, it's so inconsistent. I have zero shares for a reason. Zero. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And it's, it's hard, but he's, you're right. He's so talented, but it just, it doesn't translate for whatever reason to fantasy. It's kind of just like a real life football thing that he's super talented. He's kind of like Diggs in that way. Yeah. Brent, who is your dynasty stash? Dynasty stash. It, it was tough to find a dynasty stash. So I, I'm not, I'm not like high on this, but I mean, if I had to choose a dynasty stash, it'd be Antonio Gandy Golden, Washington football team wide receiver, um, especially with Calvin Harmon getting hurt for the year. And Gandy Golden has a chance to become definitely even fantasy relevant this year with, with his opportunity, possibly wide receiver number two at, at the football team. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, I, trying, trying not to say the Redskins. Um, but he, he did dominate his competition at Liberty. And um, it'll definitely take him some time to get used to the competition. But um, I was doing some research on some reports from the Senior Bowl. And there are some really good reports coming from the Senior Bowl. Um, he held his own, scored a touchdown in the Senior Bowl game, and read some reports that he was just very impressive, according to a lot of scouts. So... The big thing with this, why I think he's a dynasty stash, I think he'll get his experience this year. Washington, they'll get a lot of garbage time, touchdowns, yards um, this season because they'll be playing behind pretty much all year. Um, and that bodes well for Gandy Golden to get some stats and some and get some experience. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few of those garbage points and have a fantasy-relevant year this year. So along with that, he'll get his experience and that, which in turn will give him some dynasty value. So maybe he has a decent year this year and he has a little dynasty value. If you're not that high on him after, after his good, his decent year this year, maybe you can trade him for something. Um, but I mean, either, either, either way next year, he'll be a second, second year wide receiver and he got some good experience as a rookie this first year. And who knows, maybe he'll be a decent receiver in the future. So I'm not too high on him, but gosh, he's going to get some garbage points this year. <laughs> yeah, the only player they really have on that depth chart who even looks anything like him is Cody Latimer at 6'3", 222. Gandy's 6'4", 223. So Cody Latimer is the only thing standing in his way from a, having a role on that offense as maybe a red zone type target or uh, filling that big body on the outside that they're looking for. Then I think he has a pretty good shot at pushing Latimer out of the way and getting some playing time early and potentially developing into a decent player down the road. Any thoughts on Gandy uh, Golden, Jordan? Uh, I'm a big fan of Gandy Golden. Um, he was really high on my board pre-draft. I was hoping he'd get the capital. He never did, obviously. Um, but he's in a perfect spot. He's Especially with Calvin Harmon getting injured, as unfortunate as that is, he has uh, every opportunity to be the wide receiver too. They have no tight end. So if they want to put him in as a big slot, maybe he could operate that way. I think he runs better routes than people realize. Um, it was against not the best competition, but he still isn't as stiff in the hips as people would expect from a guy who's that tall and that big. Um, and obviously if you've seen any of his highlights, he is excellent in the air. 
So you think about a guy who could easily be touchdown dependent early in his career. Um, he's got tremendous upside in that regard. And so if Haskins does want to lean on a guy to be a red zone threat, I think Andy Golden's the perfect guy who has pretty solid footwork. He runs pretty crisp routes, even in the end zone. And obviously he can go up and get a ball against anybody in, in any league. He can go one hand, two hands. He'll always high point it. He has tremendously strong through the catch point and locates the ball pretty well as well. Jordan, do you want to go next with your dynasty stash? Yes, I do, because I don't think there's very many, so I want to get this one in quick. <laughs> so my dynasty stash, same team, but it's Steven Sims, right? Uh, Washington football team has no weapons, and Steven Sims is the only guy with really any hope. Um, and I just think that he could really be a safety valve in the slot for uh, Dwayne Haskins. And I see a lot of upside. Like, there are people who saying kind of similar stuff, and I know from the few people that I've talked to who do ha- like have a few sources in the Redskins, they've been saying that Sims has really be- been really impressive, and they are going to look to get him the ball more this season. And he's a dynamic threat, and he can get the ball and turn something into turn something from nothing pretty quickly in a short order because he's so fast. And so, I just think he could be an option, kind of like Curtis Samuel could be for uh, Teddy Bridgewater this year where he can just use that speed to get open in the, in the slot. And I just see a guy who could really do something on a team with hardly any weapons, right? Like we talked about Terry McLaurin behind, beyond that, they got nothing. It's a wide open competition. And so from everything I've heard, Sims is going to be the two basically, because they don't have a tight end. And then it's just AGG, Cody Latimer, whoever is going to compete kind of for those third targets. But I think Sims could be a great safety valve for Haskins this season. So I have a question for you. So Trey Quinn, he played slot at the beginning of the year for Washington. Does does he worry you at all about Stephen with Stephen Sims getting his playing time, or does Antonio Gibson worry you? So we can talk about Gibson a little bit later, <laughs> but um, I just think that he does he has something a little bit different than both those guys do. So Trey Quinn, the big thing with Trey Quinn is he'll be great in the slot. I don't think he's going to be he'll be used much more for his technician aspect. But I think Sims is just a bigger, a better playmaker, right? So Trey Quinn's probably not going to do a whole lot after the catch. He's kind of like, you know, just a guy you hope can run down the field seven yards, beat a zone, beat man coverage, get open, be a chain mover. But I think Sims will be more dynamic than that. And especially with the opportunity he could have, he can do that for sure. And that's the only reason why I would take the shot on Sims over Quinn. It's just Sims kind of came on late in the year. Um, he showed that. And ultimately, I think you look at how Ron Rivera's kind of built his teams, had his offenses. The heat, you look at what's in Carolina now, it's all speed. It's just guys who are fast, and Trey Quinn doesn't really fit that mold. Um, not to say that he can't get run. He probably will. But I think that Sims has a better chance to, be, to get that ascension and value where Trey Quinn, you know, he might not even crack, crack the top 100 unless he has a really, really good season where Sims could get there pretty easily, especially if he gets hot and you could trade him for something substantial if someone really believes in them on that, like we said, that bad uh, Redskins offense, it's going to probably need to throw the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Sims certainly finished the year on a high note last season. Uh, he had uh, number 27, number four, and number 14 wide receiver the last three weeks. So if you can carry that momentum over, uh, there's some upside out of the slot in that Washington offense. Uh, I will go next with my dynasty stash, and mine is Tony Pollard. <laughs> so... Uh, when I look at the stash, ideally you want someone with a disproportionate amount of upside compared to their cost, and Pollard has that in spades. Averaged 5.3 yards of carry last season, only got 86 attempts, but he actually had a better yards per carry than Zeke did behind that Dallas offensive line. So he was 
efficient with the touches he did get. Also chipped in 15 catches for 107 yards and a touchdown on 20 targets. He's a great receiver in college. He had 29, 36, and 39 catches during his three years at Memphis. Uh, and that was primarily the way he added value for that offense uh, while playing behind Darrell Anderson. So he has a role that he could carve out in the receiving game in Dallas. Uh, he's in a perfect situation to smash if anything happens to Zeke. Their other running backs are pretty scarce. Uh, they have Darius Anderson, who is an undrafted rookie out of TCU behind Pollard on the depth chart. So not a lot of competition for that role to back up Zeke. He's going for about a third-round pick right now, so not a very expensive stash for someone with as much upside as Pollard would have in a situation where Zeke is unable to play. And then I think if that does happen, you're going to be able to flip him pretty easily uh, for a pretty significant asset in a dynasty league, or potentially if you're competing for a championship, he could be a league winner for you. I like it. Love it. That's love better that. than the usual not bads Brent gets me after my picks. Oh, that's, that's no, not I love bad. it. <laughs> love it. Pollard's it, – the talent is there, right? The opportunity is there. Everything mm-hmm. is there for Pollard. And it, it's kind of hard – it's crazy to me that people aren't buying more, especially when you just look at, like, what he did in such limited work. Yeah. You know, he's he's a very, very talented player. And I don't see a situation where you're not getting someone of a value and having that handcuff to Zeke is probably the most valuable spot in the whole league. Because he's got the most talent. Yeah. You know, even though he doesn't have the opportunity, he probably has the most talent of anyone who's a, a backup. Because the, before that was probably Austin Eckler. But now that he's a starter, it's probably Pollard. Yeah. Who else would be in that conversation, you think? Madison, maybe? Madison would be the next closest, yeah, for sure. I, I think Madison's really talented. He's another guy who I, I scouted pretty heavily with and liked him a lot. He just rose a little bit too late in the process. I didn't get as many shares as I would have liked. Stupid Garrett. <laughs> raised his value a shitload by shouting him out every week. <laughs> Love Garrett, though. But that guy, he just rode that Madison train. I remember I was telling him about Madison, and he, and he loved Madison, too, and he just ran his mouth, and then <laughs> Madison's value went through the roof. <laughs> All right, Jordan, do you want to start us off with your draft sleeper? Yes, uh, and it have, is. We'd have buy, right? Sleeper, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a buy sleeper, like a late round. Oh, we'll say great la- late round guy or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we usually so call it a sleeper. I don't sleeper. know, but Brent must have had one too many Stella Artois already. Yeah, yeah. My yeah, bad. my sleeper buy, you know, late round <laughs> value, um, tremendous upside is Mister Antonio Gibson. Um, as lazy as it sounds, he really is the next Tony Pollard. Um, he's a bigger, faster, stronger Tony Pollard at that. A guy who averaged over 10 yards per touch in college. People can say the, a lot of the production came in only a few games, but if you watch this guy on tape, he's dynamic. He can return kicks. He can catch passes. He can run the ball. And we know that that Washington Redskins backfield is not one that is the epitome of health. It's got Adrian Peterson. It's got Darius Geis two years injured. It's got Bryce Love coming off a major injury. So there's a lot of opportunity there, both out of the slot as a receiver, again, with limited weapons like we mentioned, and potentially out of the backfield. Ron Rivera even loosely said he can maybe be the next Christian McCaffrey. He didn't say (laughs) Christian McCaffrey, but he didn't say that he couldn't be Christian McCaffrey. What does that mean? I think that means that Riverboat Ron likes him a lot. He got drafted in the third round. Not significant, but it's not terrible. You know, obviously Ron likes him as a running back. He wanted to take him, and I see him being used pretty heavily, you know, like, if he and you think about a guy who can take it to the house on any play, he's probably the only guy beyond McLaurin on that team that can do that. 
And I like him a lot. I was a big fan of his in college. I think he can do a lot. And for a guy who's like 230 pounds, if he's running in the slot, you're not going to want to tackle him. So I think if you're looking at redraft and you're looking at the guy in the double-digit rounds, I mean, a lot of guys are kind of on him, but I think that he is absolutely, you're talking about a league winner. If he takes over that running back job, if he gets a lot of work in the receiving game, he could easily, easily, easily be a redraft sleeper winner um, for your redraft teams. Uh, I'll go next because my sleeper is also from the Washington football team, and maybe we can talk about how these two might share that backfield uh, this season. So mine's Darius Geis. Uh, he's currently going as pick 101, running back 35 in ESPN ADP, right behind Darrell Henderson and Keyshawn Vaughn, right ahead of Philip Lindsay and James White. I see Geis as the only running back in that range that I think has a chance to be a true bell cow this season. Uh, he was a second-round pick at LSU 2018. You alluded to his injuries, Jordan. Uh, he had the entire missed rookie season with the torn ACL, only was able to appear in five games last season. Uh, he missed nine with a meniscus tear he suffered in week one, and then two more games with an MCL sprain suffered in week 14. Those games he appeared in, he was good, though. He averaged 5.8 yards on 42 carries, caught seven passes on nine targets for 79 yards. He has ideal size for running back, 5'11", 224 pounds, ran a 4.4940, so we know he has the juice. Uh, amazing player in college at LSU. He had 1,387 yards and 7.6 yards per carry in the SEC in 2016 while sharing a backfield with Leonard Fournette. Uh, and then he went for over 1,200 yards the next season while leading that backfield. The injury risk is real, uh, but it is priced into his ADP at this point and provides you with pretty asymmetrical upside in the ninth round of your draft. Uh, you mentioned the risk with the other backs in that backfield as far as injury. At least we know the Washington team has a crack squad of medical doctors on their staff or trainers. So <laughs> these guys are all getting the highest quality care, I'm sure. But, I mean, for where he's at, like I said, I think his injury risk is priced in, and he has a ton of upside in that offense. Maybe he has to share a little bit of a role uh, with your <laughs> sleeper there. Uh, Jordan with Antonio Gibson, but I think Gibson's dynamic enough that there is going to be room in that offense for both of these guys to have a role if they earn it. Yeah, like all I would say to that, and the only reason why it concerns me with Geis is that I just think that Gibson has more dimensions to his game, right? Like yeah. to your point, it's a lot more likely that Gibson eats into Geis's work than Geis eats into Gibson's work. And while Geis is a great runner, he's also more expensive than Gibson is. Right. And, and I totally get it. Like he has tremendous upside. It's just, I think, and the reason I know we, me and Ray talked about it um, and he was potentially going to be my fade. He, I, I end up going a different way with that, but it's just like when you talk about, especially this year and kind of the way redraft is shaking out, I don't know if I want to take a running back in, in that range at all. You know, like that's what I'm going to be hammering out. Maybe my receivers, you know, some different guys there. And that's just not a region where I typically go running back. I'm usually, you know, I want to go robust RB. You want to have three or four in kind of the first four or five rounds and then start hammering out your wider series in most cases, finding that tight end late, maybe finding another handcuff running back if that's the way you want to go. And I just find myself not really going after guys that much. The price is reasonable. The upside is there. But usually I just want to go a bit safer at RB where if you're drafting guys there – it's pretty rare you're going to want him to be that RB3, RB4. You're probably banking him, bank on him being an RB2, RB3 for your roster more than likely because you're trying to go a bit wide receiver heavy early and then fall, falling back on that guy's hoping he hits. Yeah. 
the receivers just real quickly who were going right before him are Debo Samuel and Will Fuller. And the two right after him are Brandon Cooks and Henry Ruggs III. So depending how you feel about those guys, maybe you go that route. I probably it's same thing, right? Injury yeah. risk with a lot of upside. Like Fuller and Cooks are just they define that more than anybody probably in the league this year. Um Ruggs, I'm I'm full fate on Ruggs. Just there's no way. But I totally get it from the standpoint of Geist. Like he is tremendous upside. Yeah. Tremendous. Levi, I'm going to have to give you a not bad for this guy. <laughs> and, and we've talked about this before. It's just his injury history just scares the shit out of me. And, I mean, I, I did a few best balls this weekend, and he, he fell quite a bit. It still, scared, it still scared the crap out of me to possibly draft him. And, uh, and with Antonio Gibson there, and Adrian Peterson did not look too bad the last couple of years for the for Washington, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to be drafting Darius guys. I definitely don't see him as a as a sleeper. Um, and about Antonio Gibson, I, I love Gibson. I do. I don't think he'll get that many carries in this backfield. I mean, he only had 33 carries in his college career. I mean, and do we expect him to get? More than that. Do you want to hear a crazy stat, though? And I tweeted this out like months ago. I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but I was breaking it down just like for fun. And his numbers are basically the exact same per touch as Jerry Judy's. Wow. So if you actually were – because he still averaged like 10.3 yards per touch, right? And then you break it down, he had about 120 touches for 1,100 yards or it was like 1,200 yards and then 14 touchdowns to Judy's like – I think it was 86 touches or whatever it was. It was like crazy how comparable they were. And so it's like, you look at Judy, how highly valued he is, but Gibson isn't, but it's like, you look at their college production and yeah, Judy has the Blitnikoff and the pedigree. I get all that, but it's just funny to to see that he is a wide receiver and he has that pedigree. Yeah, the level of competition was a little bit different between those two. As well. Oh, yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. But it's just like a funny. It's just a funny yeah. stat. I was like, wow. Like you just, if you just want to put on that surface level, how right. comparable they are. It's like really similar. And they, if you want Gibson so, to play wide receiver, he could probably do it yeah. fairly successfully. And, and what I was going to say is, I, you said Gibson might possibly eat into Geis's, um playing time. I, I don't see that. I see Gibson eating into maybe Steven Sims's playing time or getting stealing some catches from him. Maybe Gibson will be the slot guy instead of Sims. So I'm not for sure on this, but I don't see Gibson getting a lot of carries for the Redskins this year. Oh, yeah, I agree. But uh, the thing is with Gibson is that, like, where you may want to take someone, like, you may want to take a receiver over him or a Geis, but, like, Gibson may only get five carries a game but they're going to be designed runs. They're going to be reverses. They're going to be manufactured in a way for him to get the ball in space where he may average 10 yards a run, like 10 yards per rush. Mm -hmm. And then same thing, if you give him the ball on a screen play, he may take that for 15 yards. Like he's going to get these chunk plays. And where the reason why I love what everything Ron said about him is it tells me that maybe he only gets 10 touches a game, but those 10 touches will be a lot better than, inside left inside right power right power left like you know it's and that's where you think about fantasy points if you're getting plays designed for you you're a weapon if guys just getting 15 carries a game and he gets stuffed because trent williams is gone and their offensive line is garbage 
Antonio Gibson's going to come in and he's going to do something with the ball and a screen and a reverse and whatever it may be in a way that Geis just won't be used that way because he doesn't have yeah. that four three three speed that Gibson has. I agree. I agree. And I mean, I like Gibson. I like Gibson yeah. quite a bit. Um, I am, I am kind of tired of Ron Rivera's comps though. Cause he also comes <laughs> Terry McLaurin to DJ Moore. I'm like, Ron, <laughs> like, are these just cause they play the same position as your guys on your old team or what's going DJ on? DJ Moore, but faster though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wonder so. who he compared it to Greg Olson. <laughs> can't do that. Yeah. Bad Moss. Dwayne Haskins is the next Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, Ron. All right, Brent, who's your sleeper? Dwayne Haskins. I mean, might as well keep <laughs> on talking Cam about Newton. Keep on talking about Cam Newton, <laughs> even though he can't run at all. <laughs> that dude is yeah, like this the is, biggest statue. Yeah, def, definitely not Cam Newton. And this was another one that was really tough for me to find. And honestly, I'll be kind of quick with, the, with this one because I'm not a huge fan. Um, and I already talked about it a little bit with Gandy Golden. I think a lot of this will be garbage points with, with Haskins. As you remember, Blake Bortles a couple of years ago, he got a bunch of garbage points. And I think Haskins could get that too, except for the, the running. He won't have any rushing car yards or anything yeah. like that. Um, like the garbage points, they'll give him some – I mean, we're talking about fantasy. This is a fantasy show, and I'm, I, don't, I don't think he's really that great of a quarterback. But I will say that he did decent the last couple games of the year. Um, I mean, yeah, they did sign Kyle Allen, but I think Rivera knows what he has in Kyle Allen. He wants to see what he has in Dwayne Haskins. So I definitely see him sticking with Haskins for the whole year, even if it's not pretty. Um, he had that strong finish. He only had one interception in the last four games, which is really good for a rookie quarterback. And I'm not saying you should draft him as your quarterback one, obviously, but um, I don't think he should not be getting drafted. I think he's good enough to be a quarterback too. Um, I think he's actually capable of being a high-end quarterback too. Um, with a little bit of help on, with the offensive line this offseason, McLaurin, he's a year older with year experience. And who knows how Gibson will do. Gibson could be he, – he's capable of being like a rookie of the year type player. So he yep. could be feeding Gibson. And, I mean, gosh, it, it'll be interesting to see what Haskins does. But he could have a pretty – pretty good year this year i'm thinking and let's not forget that defense too right like yeah. that defensive line is amazing like they have just pounded the defensive line with talent now adding chase young like i don't even know how teams are going to get past that line you're talking about four <laughs> guys that are just studs across the board they got speed they got size they got athleticism man the redskins defensive line if, if ron can really get them to play to their potential they are going to be good it's just really behind it. What's, what's that going to be? And do they kind of mm -hmm. turn into a, like a run and D type of style? And so Haskins isn't, isn't told to do so much until they're really out of a game. I, I don't know how they're going to play out. I mean, I'm expecting them to be bad. So to your point, garbage time should be there. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll see. I, the, the only thing for me with redraft sleeper is that like, I don't think he's going to get drafted anywhere. So it's kind of like, maybe you pick him up if he has a couple game stretch and then you ride him from there. But it's more so like actually drafting them. Yeah. I'm just thinking. Oh, I don't have to. Last couple rounds, backup quarterback, maybe even your third quarterback, take a chance on them. 
Yeah, in a deeper league for sure. I I'm totally or, with it. It just depends on kind of how how deep your league is, right? Or even a best ball league too. Yeah. Yeah, because you never know. He might just put up 35 points one week where he's mm-hmm. forced to throw the ball 50 times and he so happens to, you know, actually put it together. <laughs> well, we've right? all kind you of said know. we're low-key kind of optimistic about this Washington offense from at least from a <laughs> fantasy perspective because we have two of our dynasty stashes both the years for Gandy Golden and Steven Sims, and then all of our sleepers have <laughs> come from this offense. So We've talked about that's the Redskins be... more than I thought we would tonight. <laughs> there has to be value there somewhere, right? Like yeah. it's They're just so low-priced as an entire organization. There just has to be something there. We, yeah, we, we've hit all the guys that are probably going to be something, if anything. And if they all suck, man, they're going to be really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there just has to be, like, no matter what team it is, no matter how bad they seem, look at the Dolphins last year. They had tons of fantasy value. Yeah. And they were supposed to be the worst team in the league by a mile. Yep. The Washington football team, keep an eye on them. I'll go, first. <laughs> I'll go first on my redraft fade. Uh, and I'll make this quick because it's Amari Cooper. And so, Jordan, you covered a lot of this already. But he's going 28th overall and redraft ADP, wide receiver 10 in ESPN ADP, right behind Galladay and Thielen and right ahead of DJ Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster. He had his 4,000-yard season last year in five tries, but he had 1,189 yards, 79 catches, eight touchdowns. Uh, incredibly, though, he has yet to finish a season higher than 10th in fantasy points. He's so up and down. Jordan, this was something you touched on. I'm just not sure if I want to ride the roller coaster. Last year, he had six games of 10 points or less, including three of five or less. And against the Patriots, Stephon Gilmore held him to zero points on two targets. Uh, He also had five games over 20 points, including two over 30. So there's the other end of that spectrum uh, from the roller coaster ride as well. He doesn't do much after the catch, only 211 yards, which was number 48 in the league. It's because he doesn't get a lot of separation. He was number 38 in the league in target separation. As a result, he's pretty reliant on Dak to provide catchable targets, which he does, and Cooper can go up and get those. Uh, uh, However, I do think that limits his upside. We've seen that with him never finishing higher than 10th, as I mentioned. And as a result, at his cost, I just don't see a lot of room for profit. So I'm probably not going to be drafting him. I probably prefer some of those other receivers around him in that range. And uh, I would go that route where I think there's maybe a little more upside than what Amari Cooper offers. Definitely. I, I like agree. it. Yeah. I like it. Brent, do you want to go next? And we'll give Jordan the last word. Yeah. My redraft fade is Darius Slayton. Um, yeah, he, he did play well at times last season um, during some meaningless games. I think it was mainly because, um, I mean, Ingram – Shepard, Tate, Barkley, they all missed some some time throughout the year. They, they were not very healthy last year. And honestly, Slayton was the was the only guy that they can really throw it to. And he was targeted quite a bit in a lot of those games. And um, the targets, as long as everybody stays healthy this year, I mean, a little bit, I mean, at least not as bad as last year, um, he won't be getting that many targets. And in my eyes, he's not the number one receiver on this team. He's not the number two receiver on this team. He's the number three receiver on this team, wide receiver. I mean, when Evan Ingram is healthy, he's ahead of him. Saquon Barkley, out of the backfield, he's ahead of him. So, I mean, Slayton is getting drafted way too high. He's getting drafted ahead of um, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and Evan Ingram. It's It's just crazy. I don't think he should be getting drafted that high. 
Um, I do expect him to be somewhat fantasy relevant, especially with the injury history of Sterling Shepard and, and Evan Ingram and, and even Golden Tate recently. So, I mean, yeah, I think he should still be getting drafted. Um, but he's getting drafted at wide receiver 43 in the area of Christian Kirk, Jerry Judy, and Emmanuel Sanders. I love those three guys so much more than than Slayton. Um, and when you look the, when you look at the the top three, I mean, I, I expect Shepard. I, I I'm still a believer in Shepard. I talked to Levi about this before. If Shepard can stay healthy, and Daniel Jones can give have a good season, I think Shepard can have a really good year. And I mean, like I said, Slayton, he's third in the pecking order for wide receivers. So it, you won't see me having him on my teams at all. Not even thinking about it. <laughs> you stole my pick. That's you nailed oh, yeah. it. You nailed it, nice. man. You you completely nailed it. Good. And and one thing that people need to realize that um you didn't touch on, but like it's not something that necessarily everyone's gonna know. But when you look at uh Golden Tate splits with Daniel Jones, he averaged half he, he averaged half a touchdown a game, sixty-eight receiving yards. 5.2 receptions, eight targets, and 15.89 PPR fantasy points. Right, and so I think on a 12 on a 16 game pace, that is wide receiver 12 last year. Right, and so you think about that, that's insane. Like he shouldn't be. You don't expect that from Golden Tate, but Golden Tate could easily be the wide receiver one on this offense. And like you said, Slayton could be wide receiver f- or target four on this team. And pretty easily at that, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's definitely Ingram. It's definitely uh, pro- it's probably going to be Tate, and it's definitely going to be Barkley ahead of all those guys. The only thing Slayton has going for him, and while I still don't mind him in Dynasty for redraft, I have to fade him based on his price. He's just going way too high, and people believe in those eight touchdowns he had, and he came into the league injured, and all those things. And I did like Slayton a lot as a prospect. But I just can't buy into that when I know that Golden Tate has really good splits with Jones. I know that Ingram is so good when healthy. Like, if Ingram's healthy the whole year, Slayton is cooked. Like, he's toast. There's no way, right? And I think you're banking on Ingram getting hurt and Shepard probably getting hurt and Tate not really working out. But Tate's getting paid a lot of money. People need to know that, too. I think he's getting paid, like, $9 million a year for the Giants. It's just... I just don't know. And Slayton was only a fifth round pick. His only thing going for him is there really isn't an outside threat out there beyond him. And so if teams figure him out and they just focus on what goes inside and have one guy who can kind of hold him down. I don't know, man. I don't see much upside for Slayton in that regard. Yeah. Something I forgot to add. If you take away, I really don't like to do this, but if you do take away two of his games last year. Well, yeah, it's first, a Philly game. Yeah, and yeah the, the, and the Philly game. game and the Jets game. The Jets game, yeah. he had 10 catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Philadelphia game, five catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Take that away. He had 33 catches on the year, 550, 550 yards and four touchdowns. That's not that good. So those two games – Brought up his stats a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like 25% or 30% of his fantasy mm-hmm. fantasy value came in two games of like yeah. 14 or, or four, 13 or 14 that he played. Which is just crazy. So just to play a devil's advocate a little bit, can you not see him overtaking Sterling Shepard? Like Sterling Shepard's best season, he had 872 yards, and last year Slayton had 740 as a rookie that played in – 
14 games. I mean, is Sterling Shepard really that big of an obstacle? And then when you look at, like, Golden Tate, he's now 32. Obviously, he's still been pretty productive when he's healthy, but I could – I understand what you guys are saying, and I'm not, like, a huge Slayton person, but I can kind of see why people, if you squint a little bit, you can kind of see based on what Slayton did last year and those other factors that I just mentioned about Shepard and Golden Tate, why people might say, oh, I could see a scenario where Slayton is at least – you know, a 1A or a number two receiver in that offense. And obviously Evan Ingram is going to get his as well if he's healthy, but he could have a role, I think. And so I can kind of see where people are coming from a little bit, but correct me. I think, I think so. So the only, my only pushback is like, I get, I get that Tate is old, but people have kind of been saying that about Tate for a while. Like he's still been in Detroit, a hundred target guy at 28, 29, 30, you know? Um, And even now in New York, he's getting paid to, produce and he's getting eight targets a game with Daniel Jones that's targets that aren't going to Slayton um Saquon's going to be a lot more involved this year obviously he'll be fully healthy no high ankle sprain and an improved offensive line I guess with Nate Solder being gone and them drafting someone as well uh Andrew Thomas I believe out of Georgia so there is a lot going for that offensive line to protect Danny Dimes to help him push the ball down the field which is good for Slayton but I think that if Ingram is healthy, he should be seeing, you know, upwards of 10 targets, maybe not 10 targets a game, but like same kind of realm, eight targets a game. If Tate sees seven, eight targets a game, if Shepard even sees three or four, Barkley's probably going to see, you know, the same seven, eight. We're already looking at, I'm pretty sure I went up to about 30 targets, <laughs> right? And, and maybe not every game, but that may put Slayton at the five, six a game, which isn't bad. That's still you know on pace for what it'll be like 80 targets yeah. but what are the value of those targets what's his catch percentage going to be like is he still going to get red zone opportunities with all these weapons on the offense maybe they run a little bit more in the red zone maybe they're playing more from maybe they'll be playing ahead a bit more and, and that's really the only tough part with Slayton and just the guys going around him like you can get Tate later than them you can get like you put like you said Sanders you can get a bunch of guys who maybe have more upside and one guy who I at least I don't know where his ADP is now who I like a little bit more than Slayton is Justin Jefferson you know, a guy who's going to walk into that Stefan Diggs role, potentially. Um, he's either going to take Stefan Diggs role outside, or it's more likely that Thielen moves outside and Jefferson takes that slot role right out of the gate. And he could see, you know, 80 to 100 targets as well playing out of the slot with a very accurate quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Um, and it's just a guy who I see a bit more upside out of at a lower cost in redraft. Yeah. I think Golden Tate's going to have that slot on lockdown, and he's definitely going to get his targets. Uh, you mentioned last year, very Slayton average, just below six targets a game. Uh, and so if he's working on the outside, I don't think that it's unreasonable to think he could see that again. Maybe he doesn't get the big step forward. We would hope to see after the rookie season he had. But he does get some decent, pretty valuable targets. His average target distance was 14.1 yards, which was number 19 among receivers. So if those six targets are downfield and he can hit on a few one or two big plays a game there'll probably be some weeks where he's a viable bi-week fill-in or something and where he's going in the draft that's reasonable so I agree with you guys the, some of the receivers you brought up who were also in that range particularly Christian Kirk stuck out Brent you mentioned him uh, I would probably prefer to Slayton but uh, I don't think he's that bad of a pick for where he's going but I understand where you guys are at as far as like he probably won't be on your rosters because of those other players around him Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, Jordan, follow you at Rich on Twitter. At Rich, yes, sir. Check out Destination Debbie and the All Gas Show. 
Yes, subscribe the All Guys Show. Patreon. Subscribe on page. Subscribe on YouTube. Check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash All Gas. Um, check out some of the things that are that they're doing at FTN. Uh, if you're into DFS, if you're into sports betting, those guys are really good. They post everything on there. If you do, you know, want to sign up, you can use promo code All Gas to save some money there. Um, they have something for everybody, man. They're building a crazy team. And I'd say if you haven't been exposed to that, you know, they got Brad Evans, Jeff Ratcliffe, and it just tons and tons. If you like Ray for some reason more than me, you know, check. He has his all gas show sponsored by FTN. And it's just a lot of cool things. But definitely, you know, check out the Patreon. If you're into Devi, this Devi community is, I believe, already 120 deep. It's getting bigger. Ray does live streams every Saturday. So he breaks down one or two prospects. I actually got on the most recent live stream and we broke down. It was DeMonte Coxie. DeMonte Coxie? Yeah, I think it was DeMonte Coxie and DeMonte Smith, yeah. So definitely check that out. Uh, Those are exclusive to the patrons only. So we do that for all of our patrons Um, as well. You know, there's t-shirts, there's giveaways, there's lots of stuff that we're doing over there for those guys. And definitely, yeah, you know, check out the YouTube um lots of cool shit over there i'm always trying to do different things um ray usually does a show on mondays wednesdays we usually do all gas like wednesday to friday we figure that out and i'm probably going to be on that more and then we're doing a new segment i don't know if you guys saw it yet it's called off topic and <laughs> just talk about you know something completely non-fantasy related like last time we talked about hip-hop because we started this like whirlwind on twitter this massive debate that went on for like three days about 90s versus 2000s hip-hop. That was funny. So we, we brought up that debate on our first off-topic segment. Um, and not, honestly, we're just always trying to do different things, you know. Um, we want to inspire people to do different things, be creative. Um, if you are inspired by us, you know, let us know. And uh, let us know, let me know if there's anything I can help you guys out with, uh, especially you guys. You know, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. If you ever need anything, of course, let me know. And um, there's definitely lots of things I've been exposed to in my time in the industry. And there's lots of things that I would say to someone if they are looking to break in, you know, you got to work hard, you got to kind of pave your way. But once you kind of get in, you're in and you're in that exclusive club if you want to see it as such. And you then from there, it's finding your niche like we talked about before. And, um, you know, just grind, just work hard, just motivate other people, bring people up, bring as many people with you as you can, because um, there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to get that shot. And, you know, the more people you can help along the way, the more you're helping your fellow men and your, and your people out there who wish that someone else would have done the same for them. You know, like Ray kind of brought me along and I'm, I'm happy to be able to bring someone along with me, share my experiences and my knowledge and all those different things. So you brought Ray along in the beginning. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. What, I didn't that's bring. That's what I heard in your story. No, 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 no. Don't, don't go. <laughs> me, me and Ray, we do a lot of awesome things together. He, he started it. He brought, he brought himself to where he is and then I helped him and then he helped to bring me along as well. But definitely, yeah, you know, like there's so many great people doing a bunch of great things. People who inspire me, like my friend, uh, Benny B, um, dude is a worker, you know, it's just that relentless attitude to constantly improve and people need to be more accepting of criticism, you know, like it's, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be the best at something, but some people just don't take it very well. And I would say that Ray and I's relationship is built on him and I being able to accept each other's criticism and be humble, you know, constantly be learning, constantly be reinventing yourself and learning new skills to help develop yourself, not just as a person, not just as a fantasy analyst, not just as a podcaster, videographer, whatever you do, 
you want to constantly expand that skill set to become a more rounded person in the industry because that's going to get you a lot further than trying to be the best podcaster in the world, um, at least in my experience, because I thought, you know, I could just kind of write my way to eventually get somewhere. And it's hard. Um, there's a lot of people who are really talented. And the sooner you can find that niche, the sooner you can propel yourself to that next level. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. That was better than what Coach <laughs> Taylor's pump up speeches on Brian Outlines. <laughs> That's well, what we try to do, man. We try to motivate. We try to tell people, you know, you gotta, you gotta work. Um, there's as much as, as much as, you know, I would love to say, yeah, like we're just really good at what we do. Sure. You, lots of people may say that, but there is not a harder worker in this industry than Ray Garvin, Ray GQ, the man himself. And I would tell that to anybody and he motivates me a lot and we push each other and, and that's what you got to do. You got to find that tight knit group. And you got to just grind your way to the top because that's the only way you're going to ever get anywhere. You got to work. You heard the man. We will post a poll as we always do for our divisional previews with each of our picks in each of the different categories when this episode comes out in a day or two. So keep an eye out for that. Last week I won. Brent won the first one two weeks ago. So we're looking for our first guest victory. And I have a feeling Jordan might be able to pull that off, especially if, uh, his followers are partial to. Uh, we'll see if I can pull. We'll see. If, we'll see how much cloud I can pull. I'll start. I'll, I'll start reaching out to a few people and and see what I can do about that. Yeah, Brett uses all his burner accounts, so you gotta yeah. you gotta make sure you get your people get out there. We'll gotta get. We'll gotta get past my burner accounts first. We'll see what I can do. I got. I got a Canada retweet group that's like seventy. So if I can get them in on it, then then maybe we can we can go from there. Get Canada support the kid and get that first dub. There you go. Bring one to the north of the border, to the home country. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. All right. Well, thanks again so much for jo- coming on, Jordan. It was a blast. We really enjoyed having you, and it, it means a lot. Brent, we have an awesome ad tonight, as we usually do. And really, this one's more of a idea of what we can do this fall if we don't get football. All right, guys, I think we might have to accept there might not be a football season this year, which means there's no fantasy this year. Look at the Major League Baseball. They're in a mess. They might not be going past tomorrow, and the football hasn't put together much of a different plan than they had. So let's just look at some alternatives. My first idea, Bachelorette. It, there's already some crazy Bachelorette news going on. We might be able to turn this into a fantasy deal. Let's run down what's going on. Claire Crowley, fan favorite. She's the bachelorette this year. They got her there, got all the guys there at the hotel, whatever they call it, the house. They quarantine everybody 14 days, clean bill of health for everybody. They, this is all rumors, spoilers, all ahead of this. Um, don't know if it's true. A lot of people are talking about it. So they got everybody there, clean bill of health. Let's get this season on the road. They're filming first weekend. Claire disappears. She claims she found the guy that she wants, so why continue filming? Filming doesn't know what they're going to do now. They're trying to get a different girl to come in to be the Bachelorette and just have the same cast of guys because they're already quarantined. It'd be tough to bring in a whole new cast of guys. Some guys that have already been kicked off the show, they're asking them to come back. It's nuts. Anyway, let's tie it into football. The guy that she supposedly ran off with, former South Dakota State receiver Dale Moss, who was undrafted free agent for the Packers back in 2012, played a little bit for the Bears too. There we go. There's our football. So I think this somehow we can make this work. Let's start talking. God damn, I can't do this. This sucks. We need football. This is terrible.
Tell me some good news, gentlemen. Do we have any hope of this football season happening? I can't do Bachelorette. I'll fall. Give me a break. <laughs> Brent, are you in for fantasy Bachelorette or oh, would you rather man. play fantasy football? I was hearing it. I was listening. And I was like, oh, my God, really? Fantasy for Bachelorette? I mean, I felt the way he felt. Let's just, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that, please. Let's... I think everybody is fully on board with hoping we get a fantasy football <laughs> season instead of a fantasy bachelorette season. At least everybody who listens to this show. Yeah. Have you ever played fantasy bachelorette? I think there are people who do that. Um, no, I've, I've actually never watched any of those bachelor bachelorette shows. Um, <laughs> my wife doesn't watch them either, so, so that, that's wow. good. I don't have to deal with that, but... Um, we have we have watched Big Brother. I don't know if you ever watched Big Brother. I don't. Well, I've watched like one season once or something like that, but I don't anymore. And um, we, we usually get into it pretty good. And honestly, it's the only reality TV show that I will ever come close to watching. I'm not even that big of a fan of Big Brother, but the wife is, and and even my kids are too. And last, I think it was last year, we, we actually played Big Brother Fantasy. So we all draft. There's 16 house guests, and um, I have four people in the family, and we all we all drafted four house guests. So that was that was pretty cool. Of course, I won. Um, I, I don't lose very often in fantasy. Fantasy. So I mean, that was, wasn't anything new for me there. But that was pretty cool playing Big Brother fantasy. Yeah, that is cool. There's. I think Big Brother starts in a couple of days. So. Maybe maybe that'll be the highlight of my fall is watching Big Brother. Got it's right. about the only new content you can do is where everybody's stuck in a house together and can't go anywhere. Yeah, true. <laughs> I don't know true. what they're going to do for TV shows and movies and stuff this uh, fall. Yeah, well, I, NBA bubble, that's going well. So that'll be going until, what, mid-October, I think it is? Yeah, something like that. So hopefully, know. hopefully, no, that bubble doesn't pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only one with the real hope of having longevity because baseball is not going well, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see how football goes. I'm hoping it goes yeah. well, but if they're not doing any sort of bubble, I just don't see how they don't have a bunch of outbreaks. It'll be. I agree. It'll be tough. I mean, they have to go in to expecting there's going to be outbreaks. Um, and that's the only way they can really look at it. Because I mean, if they're gonna, if they're gonna, if they're thinking about canceling, if there's an outbreak, then yes, that's gonna happen, and there won't be football. You have to go in expecting there's gonna be quite a few players getting the virus. So we all want to avoid fantasy bachelorette. So please, mm-hmm. football players, do the best you can to give us a season. Yes. With that said, I think we can wrap this show up, Brent. Thanks so much to Jordan Richards for coming on. He was an awesome guest. You'll definitely want to stick around for the portion we put after the uh, outro music because he had a lot of awesome insight into everything, really, life in general and fantasy football and just other random topics that we always ask our guests about. So definitely check that out. If you like the show, it helps us a ton. If you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, we'll have a new episode for you next week. Hopefully another guest will figure that out in the meantime. Until then, thanks for being part of the Fantasy Players Club. On behalf of Brent Hudhud-Heitkiss, this is Levi Valentine signing off. See ya.
are you from? I am from Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm from not like downtown, but a lot of Americans have no idea where Milton <laughs> is. So, you know, it's, it's actually really funny because there's one guy who I connected with on Twitter and we actually live in the same town. That's and we had no idea. Yeah, like he said, he's from Toronto because it's just kind of what you do when people don't know. But yeah, he ended up living, you know, like less than 10 minutes down the road from me. And he just <laughs> moved. Like I found out the day he was moving, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I'm from Toronto, uh, Canada. People don't know where that is uh, for some reason. <laughs> Home of the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Uh, so Big fan. And I'm from Toronto. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Raptors. I can't lie to the people. Um, I definitely enjoyed the run though. The run was awesome. You know, having Kawhi and the team and hopefully they can do the same this year. Um, obviously yeah, Kawhi is going to be tough, but they're, they have a good squad and they're, they're really cohesive. Uh, they have one of the best, you know, coaches in the league and Nick nurse. They, they really, really play team ball really well. So. Something interesting about Nick nurse. He used to coach at a Vermilion, South Dakota at USD. Oh really? Um, and, and that's that's where I'm from originally. I'm close close by. That's um, I'm from Northeast Nebraska, and Vermilion, South Dakota is where um, we always went to go get groceries and stuff like that. So wow, that's I, crazy. I, so I was kind of rooting on the Raptors too last year when when they won the championship, and they're looking pretty good in the bubble right now. I mean, I mean, it's going to be tough without Kawhi, like you said, but. Um, they have a good team, but probably one of the better teams in the NBA. Yeah, man, like up and down. They're just – they're a team that they're born ready, you know. Like mm-hmm. there was quotes that Fred Van Vliet wasn't really down to go to the bubble, but he's like, I'm here to ride with my team, right? It's not about me. It's not about what I want to do. It's about the team. And, and that's definitely what the Raptors have always been about um, ever since, you know, honestly for a long time they've been about having that deep bench. That's what Masai does. He builds that deep bench. He finds these players out of nowhere, like Pascal Siakam, who's now a superstar. It's, it's crazy. But, yeah, definitely as far as team building and, and team success, those guys are born ready, grinders on defense. You know, they just whoop the Lakers' ass. So more than happy to see that. Yeah, I like to see that too. <laughs> We're both from Nebraska, just so you oh, know. Really? So. Yeah, yeah. I live in the Kansas City area now, but Brent still lives in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Cool. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'll ask it anyway. You have a job outside of fantasy football? I actually don't. Um, I used to though. I, although recently I just, I just quit um, because of the pandemic and stuff. I got laid off. And so I'm, I'm actually kind of like trying to maybe do something sort of in fantasy, but we're going to see how, uh, how that plays out. But for right now, I'm kind of in between, you know, in, in Canada, we have like a really good relief program. People are kind of taking advantage of it. I would, not deny that I'm sort of doing that myself. You know, I've had savings for a long time and stuff. So I was able to kind of just make that decision, change careers type of thing. Um, so we'll see. Uh, maybe though, maybe soon I'll, there'll be an announcement. Who knows? Um, I hope to, you know, like yeah. uh, depending how familiar you are with my work, I've been doing a lot of like videography and stuff. So I want to try and do that. Like I kind of started a website and doing things on the side, but maybe if it ends up being in fantasy, I'd, I'd be uh, definitely open to that for sure. Sure. Yeah, I noticed your website and your Twitter bio, so that's pretty cool. Hopefully, you yeah, can I launched that through that. Yeah, I launched that probably about two weeks ago. Um, my boy Ben, uh, Ben Eb, got to give him a shout out, my man, Mister Eb on Twitter. But uh, yeah, he he pushed me to launch that website, and you know, I've had a few people reach out to me. It's it's pretty cool to see the they see the work I do and they ask me just some questions about whatever it may be, and then more so looking for local clients doing like videography work, sure. photography shoots, things like that. 
Um, but you know, I'm, I'm open to more to anything, honestly, you know, I just like to work and have fun and create different things. So approach me with whatever you need and I can probably get done for you. Awesome. Uh, are you married or do you have kids or anything like that? Fortunately, I do not. Um, so I'm able to spend all my money on shit that I don't really need. But uh, to me, I need it. Like I just bought a computer a few months ago and I'm probably going to buy a new mic soon because this one kind of sucks. But yeah, no, unfortunately not yet. That's why I was a little bit late. Actually, I was, uh, I was with my girlfriend. She came over for dinner and stuff. So oh, cool. But yeah. Does she play fantasy football? No, she's not a football fan yet, but I'm working on that. So <laughs> there you go. Well, well, soon, soon for sure. I'm gonna have to force her into it a little bit, you know, just to to respect me and respect my passion. <laughs> you could try, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we'll we'll see about that, but not yet, no, unfortunately. But it'll come. Cool. Right? Do you want to ask the next few? Yeah. How long have you been playing fantasy football? Man, that's a tough question. I would say so. I'm 26. I'd say probably like 14, 15 years since I was about like 10, 11. Uh, Me and my friends got into it really early, you know, back in like the ESPN, Yahoo, like NFL.com days before like any of the actual good fantasy apps were developed, (laughs) like Sleeper and MFL. It's, It's crazy how everyone has that start somewhere, you know. Everyone starts with the ESPN leagues and NFL.com leagues that a lot of us in the industry wouldn't go anywhere near now. Like it's, it's like, a forbidden area of the space that just like it's for the people that don't know anything and the casual players and and it has its place but definitely yeah you know i'm basically all dynasty now all super flex tight end premium like campus to can um but yeah probably about 14 years ago i would say 14 15 years ago was when i first started playing redraft um you kind of answered this one on how you started playing you just started playing with your your friends you said when you're yeah younger. you know just like when you're younger you got that passion for football and you kind of try new things we started with fantasy baseball and eventually you know we said oh let's try fantasy hockey and fantasy basketball and it kind of just became fans of fantasy like i'm not sure are you guys fans of like other fantasy sports too and obviously you have this podcast but you know some people they're into baseball and basketball yeah. and all those different things as well i've done baseball for a long time yeah I like playing um, daily fantasy golf. That's, that's oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. DFS is like man, I can play DFS every day. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's like it's the bad and the good with DFS when you're winning. It's awesome when you're not. It's like yeah. damn, am I gonna, am I really gonna spend another fifty bucks tomorrow? <laughs> you know, it's it's but daily fantasy is it's crazy. I I love it though. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it's like that instant gratification and just like downfall it just just gets you man i mean the the time when you're like close to like first place you possibly could win in a couple thousand dollars and all of a sudden you float back down to like like to that point of um (laughs) to that point of baseball i've had a a contest this is like probably three years ago now and i'll never forget it because me and my buddy it was the last game on the slate it was in extra innings me and my buddy are both watching this game was the pirates versus i think the reds and so i had starling martin in my lineup and it was a game that he hit a walk-off home run in in uh in pnc park and i was like and that literally pushed me into the money like crazy mm-hmm. i'll never forget that it was nuts but that's just that's dfs though it's like anything can happen especially in like yeah. baseball hockey getting those crazy bonuses for home runs and all these things it's just it's a lot of fun 
It if you is. haven't tried DFS, you got to do it for sure. <laughs> Brent's trying to get me into it this year, so we'll see. Oh man, you got it! I'm telling it's, you, it's so <laughs> much fun. It, it, and it, the crazy part is, it doesn't take like it doesn't take just one. It only takes one big victory, like just cashing in a GPP. You're like, Fuck yeah, like I'm the best. Like everyone else sucks. Like my stack was better than your stack, and it's you'll definitely go through your growing pains and you'll probably be like, Oh man, I got to put in more money. Fuck. Like I burned through all of it, but you know, you can, you can play it smart and start small. But the funny thing is, is like you'll play start small and you'll hit a lineup, but you only put in like three bucks and you're like, wow, if I put in 50 bucks, I could have made like $2,500. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like the, the tough part about it. But it, I would definitely say, you know, as long as you live within your means you set aside the money, you know, play safe, play responsible, all that stuff. I think it's a ton of fun. Ton a ton of fun. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you definitely got into it. And for baseball, baseball's so fun because you need to know the pitching <laughs> matchups. Like pitchers yeah. are the most important thing in baseball, just like they are in real life, right? So, you know, do you want to spend up for a guy like DeGrom or do you want to go with a value guy? And it's that that whole conundrum. Quick question. Do you play on DraftKings or FanDuel? I'm a DraftKings guy. Okay, so am I. Yeah, I'm, I'm a DK guy. I, I, it's funny, like, I never really got into FanDuel. Um, FanDuel is kind of, I think, more for the NBA back before they had their merger. And I just kind of started with DraftKings and stuck with it. And I've heard people have a bit of issues with FanDuel sometimes still. So yeah. I'm not really upset about the fact that I'm kind of, a, I guess, a DraftKings guy or whatever. And I don't, I don't know if you play best ball, but DraftKings did add best ball. To really? Their, yeah, I think it was this, really? this past weekend. So No way. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like, cause obviously like draft stopped, right? They they kind of, mm-hmm. they went, I don't know. I don't know whether they went under or got bought out or what, because now they it's got, underdog, right? Like underdog is, is like the new big thing. It's backed by like Mark Cuban and all these guys and Kevin Adams, who's the CEO of FTN. So I'm sure I'll play on a bunch of underdog leagues because of him. But um, yeah, so I, that's probably what I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to play on is underdog. But yeah, best ball is crazy fun. Like I, mm-hmm. I joined one massive best ball league with like 80 people. It's like this big tournament league. It's kind of like Scott Fish, but uh, just a best ball league. It's like all of, it's like they're calling it the can of the cup until we're playing for charity and the winner donates like a thousand bucks to whatever charity. So it's pretty cool. It's uh, nice. that one's, I think is on fan tracks um, okay. because they end up getting like the entry fee for free or something. So that was pretty interesting. Cool. What's yeah. your what's your favorite fantasy football memory? Oh man! Or if you have a one fantasy you'd like in something other than football, you can throw yeah. that one out too. So it's not really a memory, but I'll never forget. For me, at least, telling my best friend how good I thought Antonio Brown was going to be. I was like, "Dude, trust me. Like Mike Wallace is gone. It's going to be the Antonio Brown show." And I drafted him in like the sixth round of fantasy that year. And of course, we all know how good Antonio Brown was. Like, dude, yeah. exploded for like six seasons. Um, that's definitely one of them. Another one that was really funny is I remember I was playing, I think I was playing like someone in our league or whatever. And I had Drew Brees on my roster. And I don't know if you guys remember the game, I think from two years ago, when he, when he was, I think he ran from like the five yard line, ran to the left. And then he did like a spin on two guys on Atlanta and ran for a touchdown. <laughs> It was it was insane. I remember going completely nuts when that happened. And that was that game was like forty five <laughs> to fifty or something. There's like that game and I remember even still watching the the Rams Chiefs game was insane. There's it's kinda just like random things are fantasy because especially now I own so many players, it's not really like I have rooting interests. You know, when you have one team you kind of just linearize those guys that you watch a lot. 
Um, but at least for me, I've kind of, I got guys all over the place, you know, rookies, veterans, tight end sleepers, like just countless players now. So where the memories are kind of, they're kind of everywhere, you know, cause like you might have Julio Jones on one roster and he blows up, but then you're against them on another lineup. And so it just kind of yeah. all evens out. I know at least one of the ones for me was like, I drafted Lamar Jackson last year in every league. Um, that was pretty sweet. That worked out obviously. <laughs> Pretty, pretty well good. i was in the finals in most of my lineup most of my teams uh at least my startup team so yeah it's just it's just kind of like i think the biggest thing being in the industry is is for fantasy is calling your shot you know like when you kind of are out there about a guy like one guy I was really out there about was terry mclaurin um and obviously he's he was still like a third round pick in rookie drafts and i drafted him everywhere and it's just i think that's probably the most satisfying part is scouting a rookie and really loving him and then him kind of being vindicated uh, right off the jump. So uh, I think my perspective kind of changed a bit since I started. Um, but definitely, yeah, there's a few different things here or there. Like the tire lock, a touchdown in the corner was pretty dope. I got him on a bunch of rosters too. So definitely lots of little things. Like the biggest one was probably honestly Terry's game against Philly because it was his first game ever. And I remember watching that and like screwing my head off when he was just like running post routes like crazy. <laughs> and when Keenum missed him on the, I'm, I think that would have been the third touchdown. I was like, fucking pissed at that guy but yeah definitely definitely lots of crazy memories over the years where it's just kind of random stuff that nice. you hold on to how about you guys you guys have any favorite fantasy memories oh, we've gotten over ours previously but mine is uh i was it's like towards the beginning when i started playing fantasy probably in my home league just a redraft league with a bunch of high school buddies and it was the monday night football game where michael vick i think it was with the eagles at that point had like 50 points or whatever it was in that one game and I needed like all of them to win and like just every single touchdown you're like is this really happening then to come back and win that one was pretty awesome so that's probably mine yeah that's crazy I think a favorite beast I think a favorite moment of mine is I think it was in the playoffs the the four I had the 49ers defense this was like 10 years ago back when they're really good at defense um they had some 80 yard interception return for a touchdown and I was down by like 30-some points, and and I just had the, the 49ers, and they ended up getting me like 40 points. And no I ended up winning that game when I had no chance at all. So I, I'll always remember that. And then I, I, I'm like you. I, if I, I mean, if there's a rookie that I really like, I try, try to draft them in a lot of my rookie drafts. And um, I drafted Patrick Mahomes a couple years ago, so I, that's always a memorable one. So Damn. Yeah, that's that's calling your <laughs> shot, man. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, for sure. But I also drafted Deshaun Kaiser in that same draft, so I I did that too. <laughs> I I can't I can't you know being right is awesome, but you're wrong sometimes, so you got to own oh, that yeah. too. Like, you know, I remember it's funny because I remember when I I wrote an article once like a long time ago about Alan Lazard and how I thought he could be like a second round pick and all this stuff. Of course, he goes undrafted, and he's like on like the practice squad every roster i'm like oh man what a big miss but like now you know three years later he's on yeah he's second string on green bay with aaron Rodgers. i'm like so i was right (laughs) yeah clearly you know big slot ahead of uh because people don't know he was the big slot he had a thousand yards before hakeem butler did right he was at iowa state before before hakeem butler kind of became a thing yeah I think my other one would be in our my first dynasty league which was an existing one that brett invited me to I've been playing Dicey for a few years now, but it was 
I took over a team that was pretty bad, and I completely tore it down and went 0-13 my first year and traded the first pick in the draft away and got, like, Stephon Diggs and traded down. That was the year Josh Jacobs came out, so I didn't get him. But traded down, got Diggs and another pick. And then uh, I drafted Lamar Jackson and uh, Mark Andrews in that draft and went from 0-13 to 8-5 and and won that 16-team league in the – my second year so damn that's that awesome yeah so last listen. last year you mentioned lamar jackson that paid off yeah so and, and listen Yo, to his running his, his starting running backs in the championship <laughs> game was boston scott deandre washington and, and patrick, patrick Laird. <laughs> oh my god the championship it's a 16 team league so that's why it's kind so of yeah spread out but that, yeah that's, it's that's like pretty impressive though yeah even for me like i had one league where I drafted Lamar in like the fifth round. It's funny. I actually drafted the 101 in the fourth round. And then I drafted Tannehill in the like, you know, like 16th, 17th round. Yeah. So my quarterbacks for the last week of the season, the championship, <laughs> I had Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, and I drafted Kyler Murray with the 101. It was a super flex league. And then like my receivers, I had like OBJ and a bunch of bums behind them. My running backs, I think my starting running back was Sony Michelle was just like a shit show but i had i had my quarterbacks were so good i did just didn't even matter so like obviously you have to start lamar jackson right how'd you decide yeah. to start between the other two on a week-to-week basis just it take a shot like, <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure i rolled with Tannehill once he like really blew up but it yeah. honestly didn't even matter like both of them in the second half of the season were just on fire so we're yeah. just you know sometimes i won't even check i'd be like so who's playing the better team like it doesn't really right. matter like I, I remember I had Tannehill for like one of the weeks that he like really blew up for like four touchdowns and like 400 yards on like 20 passes, yeah. <laughs> like some of those crazy games he had. But um, yeah, it was just one of those things, you know, like I had an embarrassment of riches on that team and it just worked out, you know, yeah. I had OBJ hurt and like doing okay. And, but other than that, my team sucked. Yeah. That's awesome. It was pretty funny. Nice. All right. We'll get back to the questions here. Um, how'd you get started? and producing fantasy content so i actually got my first shot with dynasty nerds uh depending on how familiar you are with dynasty yeah. nerds so i started with them i just like sent an email to rich uh one day i was like hey rich you know i wrote an article saying that sony michelle was better than nick chubb and he's like yeah i like it like i'll publish it whatever and that's kind of how it started and so do you want me to tell you like the whole story or kind of just the start Cause it's been kind of a lot now, if you want, I can get, yeah. I can really go into it. Um, but yeah, so I was with Dynasty for probably about three years. And so I just kind of wrote there on and off and I kind of, writing's not the best for me. I don't know if you guys ever tried writing for, for a site. It's, you kind of have to be the right person for it. Um, like for me, I'm, I'm more of an inspirational writer. I have to write when I'm like, Oh, this is a great idea. This will make for a great article. But when I don't have those ideas, it kind of just, I just won't write. Like I just kind of falls flat. And so I kind of fell out of love with writing, but then eventually I started wanting to create fantasy content, like video content. And so that's kind of how me and Ray got together. And, um, and we kind of were friends before we even started working together more formally. And so I was like, dude, why don't you do a YouTube channel? Like you're blowing up, you're huge, you're doing all this stuff. And so I was like, I'll design all this stuff for you and you just do the show and I'll teach you how to use it. I'll teach you how to use the programs, just get the programs and we're good to go. And that's kind of how it started, you know? And then from there, you know, we just, Kept going, kept rolling, kept creating new shows, new concepts, new designs, new graphics, and it kind of just grew from there. So Ray's in Texas, and you're in Canada, and yeah. you guys were, how'd you guys become friends? It's funny, so this is, 
I hate telling, I love telling this story and I hate it because, so this is in, I actually made a video about it one time. It's on the YouTube channel, but uh, basically what happened was Ray was kind of new to the industry and he was making content. And so he wanted to start making videos like kind of prospect breakdowns, player breakdown kind of stuff. And so he made this video and we somehow got connected, like somehow on Twitter, we just like, I started following him. And this is back when I had more followers than him. Like <laughs> you guys, you guys need to realize like, this is how far he's come for better or worse, I guess, compared to me. <laughs> I have more followers than him. I had like a thousand. He had like 600. Now he's got like fucking 10.3. Yeah. I'm still at 2000 or whatever I'm at. <laughs> but, um, so he made this video about Curtis Samuel. And I was like, dude, this video like kind of blows like, how about you <laughs> i was like how about you just make it better like so if, I, i'm assuming you guys have scouted right when you're scouting wide receivers if someone breaks down the tape or they have the tape and they don't show you where the receiver is you're not watching the video like that's it you're like i'm not looking for this guy i'm not gonna try and identify his stance like that's gonna take me forever and so i was like so he didn't do that so i was like just add like something to indicate where the player is that way people don't have to look for it and then, and so the good thing with Ray is he's very, he's not receptive to feedback. So we connected and we started talking more and more. And honestly, the relationship just took off from there. Like he started asking me more questions about video and things he could do and pick my brain for ideas. And then we started doing the podcast stuff. We talked about that a lot. He's telling me about his equipment and all the different stuff. And he sent me the episode before he put it out and just stuff like that, you know, and we've always kind of had each other's back in that respect. And he really, you know, took off with the podcast and, we always stayed in touch and remained friends. And that's kind of just how it all began was me just DMing him, telling him that his video needs some work. <laughs> so um, did, did you have a background in video production before you met up with him uh, or worked for Dynasty Nerds or any of that? No, actually, I'm entirely self-taught about pretty much over the last year and maybe like a, we'll say a year and a half, might as well. It's just like an easy round thing. Um, so what happened was I kind of got into video working at my old company. I worked for a kitchen and bath renovation company. And so I was like, why don't we have like nice pictures of the things when it's done? Like it's good for the website, promotion, uh, Instagram, whatever. But I didn't really know how to take photos. I didn't have a camera. I didn't know how to do any of that. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy a camera. Like, I don't care. I'm going to save up some money, buy a camera. So I bought the camera. And basically from there, you know, I learned how to do take photos. I learned how to work in Lightroom and edit video. And it kind of just all snowballed from there, you know, Ray would say, Hey, Jordan, can you do this? Like someone else can do it. Can you do it? I'd be like, I don't know. Like, let's see if I can do it. And so we just like tried different things and new ideas. And that's kind of how my skills developed over time. And now, you know, I just kind of keep doing the same thing. I, I like when people challenge me and say, Hey, can you do this? I don't know if you can. And I'll be honest, I'll say, I don't know if I can, but let me try it. And usually I can kind of figure out something. Um, but yeah, just entirely self-taught. Um, I think that it's just, people don't realize how hard it is but at the same time it's not too difficult if you really want to dedicate yourself and learn it um there's you know there's tutorials out there like there is with anything and kind of just learned on the fly you know it's like anything it's even the same with fantasy you know you just kind of learn and grow with with things as you uh experience it more and more cool cool i'll let you take over on the questions he did kind of cover the next couple questions. Yeah. So our next one was about how you and Ray got started together. So you answered that. But one thing I was just kind of curious about is what would one, what would one thing people would be surprised to learn about Ray based on your friendship? With to him? learn about Ray? Yeah. 
He's not as funny as he appears. I'm way funnier <laughs> than he is. People, people need to realize that he has to keep me in check. It's not the other way around. Like I, I love Ray, but there's, there's the amount of time because he, he has to be the business savvy one. I'm like, I, I don't want to say I'm the creative. He's very creative too, but I'm, I'm the one that comes with like the crazy ideas and he has to reel them in. Um, but no, like I would say, honestly, the, my biggest, the biggest thing about Ray that people do know, but people really don't understand is his work ethic. Like they see what he does, but I see it on a different level and they just need to understand that like this dude really works. Like I don't do as much work probably as people think that I do, you know, like they, people think I'm editing all of his shows and I'm maybe editing the podcast. Like people literally will DM me. They'll be like, Oh, Hey, do you edit Ray's podcast? Like, can we get this or that or whatever i'm like nah man he handles the podcast that's his job you know he handles the podcast he edits a lot of his own videos i just kind of taught him how to do these things but you know he learned along the way and now for him he he's the kind of guy like a lot of people you know they just rather get it done themselves and have to ask someone for help and so he does honestly a lot of stuff himself you know set up the whole patreon basically on his own um i just help him with the graphics work so like anything you see I've probably helped them put together or put together entirely, but everything else is basically all him, all the scripts, all the things that he does, you know, setting up everything. And he basically handles it all on his own. And he just asked me for stuff that he really, really needs help with. So I know if he asked me for help, he really needs it, but otherwise he does a lot on his own. So I definitely think people don't understand kind of how hardworking and how passionate he really is about um, what he does. That's great. Yeah. I like the funnier one too. That's why we asked oh, yeah. you on the podcast first, right? We oh, yeah. Ray. Ray hasn't got the invite no. yet. We asked Ray. Jordan first. You don't no, you don't want Ray. He'll give you some <laughs> generic answers and he he he's a he's a good time though. That's why people like him, but I, I would hundred percent say I'm funnier than him. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh what's your favorite thing about producing fantasy content? I know well, yeah, I'll just throw that out like that. I would say because I get to control what happens. You know, like I don't, the funny thing is, is, and I've done this to him before where he sent me a video to edit and I'll troll him in the video because he can't, <laughs> because I have control over what happens, right? So I can like do it, do whatever. And that's probably the most fun part. Like I remember there was one, there's one video where I distinctly remember he's talking about like, <laughs> I forget what he's talking about, but it was like, he's talking about like digging for gold. And I was like, why are you talking about digging for gold, about like finding value in like dynasty? And so he talked about like going into a lake and like sifting through water. I was like, what are you? So I found a picture of this guy in a lake sifting water and I photoshopped his face on it and I put it in the show. I remember I made it and I was like crying, laughing. I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever done. And he was so mad about it. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe you put that in there. But like he left it because he didn't care. But it was just so funny. Like even just thinking about it, it makes me laugh so hard. It's just like his face on some guy holding a little tray and he's just like sifting through water looking for gold. And he's just like smiling like this. <laughs> I can do that that's in probably, sometimes because I had it all That's probably stuff, the best so. part. Oh, <laughs> you just it's because when you're editing it you just find something funny. you're like oh it'd be really funny if like donald trump just probably here and she's like wrong like you know it's just yeah. small <laughs> stuff like that just to like troll the other person because you have the control right so it's yeah. i've always found that probably the best part that and just like honestly expressing creativity more than anything like it's cool when someone gives you an idea says hey can you do this and i'm like i don't know like sure i can try and then you like blow them away and you had like no direction, no real idea of what you're going for. It's definitely a good feeling to know that like you can kind of just pull through with not a whole lot around you other than like your own creativity and your just ability to create. Yeah. 
I know one of the things you guys are big on is creating your YouTube show, The All Gas Show. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you tell people about why they should diversify into consuming and producing content for YouTube instead of just podcasts and articles, which seems like everybody in fantasy does? I think because you just hit on it right there is nobody does YouTube at all. I remember when we started doing YouTube, a lot of people said, oh, we should do YouTube because we had a lot of success with it really quickly with the All Gas Show, like you said. And to me, it's just a super underutilized space. Um, there's so many things that can come from YouTube. And I forget who put it out. Um, oh, man, I think it was Kevin Steele, actually, was talking about how YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world behind Google, right? And it's like fancy, but fancy all it is is Twitter. And Twitter's like one of the lowest rated socials as far as metrics go. And so it's like, why aren't you trying to reach a, a wider audience? Even though you may have a big audience on Twitter, your chances of reaching more people on YouTube, even on Facebook, are much greater than it is for, you know, Twitter. And that's sort of how it started, but it was more so like, I knew that Ray kind of had that it factor and he had it behind, and he had it behind a mic, but I wanted to bring him in front of a camera, right? And so that's kind of how it started. But definitely I would say it's super underutilized. Like I don't consider myself overly talented. Some people say like, oh yeah, Jordan, what you do is like so cool. It's like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, honestly, man, I'm just, I taught myself, I learned. I work hard, but definitely it's not that hard to make a good video. I would say that making it look good, that can be hard. That's something that definitely, you know, I had to learn a lot, um, but it's not as hard as people kind of think it is and definitely something you can teach yourself. And once you get on YouTube, man, people like really great. Like it's weird to me how many people we have that are just like YouTube people. They don't follow around Twitter. They don't really interact with them that way. It's weird how every social has its own groups and people, there are people who are just on YouTube. Some people are just on Twitter. Some people are just, you know, different places. And I definitely think to hit all the different markets, you want to try and diversify as much as you can. And to your point, websites, articles, podcasts, everybody does that. Like literally everybody. And to be different, YouTube is the perfect space and it's much bigger than people give it credit for. Do you think the reason more people don't do YouTube is just because they think it's going to be hard and they don't know how to start? I think people are afraid of being on camera. You know, like um, it's definitely the space of, of fantasy football is a lot of just like middle-aged white guys that <laughs> don't necessarily have a, not to say they don't have personality, maybe, maybe they're not afraid to show that on camera. And, and for a lot of people, it's just about being vulnerable and being willing to try something new. And being behind a mic and just talking is easier because you don't have to see them. You don't have to worry about how you look or anything like that. But honestly, the biggest thing about YouTube is just like be genuine, be yourself. No different than being in a podcast. Just instead someone's looking at you when you're doing it. Um, so I would just say like even people need to realize like even video podcasts are huge. Podcasts on YouTube are massive. Even if you just record your podcast and throw it on YouTube, chances are you're reaching a wider audience than you are just putting it out on the regular podcast platforms because there is an audience for YouTube that people do watch and listen to podcasts on YouTube in their daily rotations, like they do videos. And so I definitely think it's a space that whether you want to be on camera or not, it's a, it's a way that you can eat and potentially generate revenue off of it. Right. Like sponsorship deals and all these small things. Um, and you know, like same way you may put a video out on Twitter, that's just saying, Oh, Hey, like Claude Zilaire is going to, he's going to blow up because Damien Williams is gone. Why are you putting that on Twitter when you can put it on YouTube? Right. And it's kind of the same thing. Like for Twitter, it doesn't really do a whole lot for you, but on YouTube, it actually might, people may find it. They may watch it. They may share it and it will bring more people to future content um, at a wider rate than it will on Twitter. Good point. Brent, I'll let you ask these next few. 
Um, you participated in the Scott Fish Bowl 8, 9, 10, correct? Yes, you've been doing your research. <laughs> that was Levi's research. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, how have you done in those? So, okay, so last year I sucked, but I drafted Andrew Luck. So he was my second round pick. Not much I could do about that, right? Um, yeah. Like, so that sucked. The year before that, I made the playoffs. I did okay. But the thing about Scottish Bowl, whether you, I don't know if you guys have been in it before, like wide receivers are super, super devalued, like terribly so. So it like the way to win Scottish is to just fade wide receiver completely. And so my first year I was like, oh man, like DeAndre Hopkins is there like late first. What the hell? Like I'm drafting him. And then I drafted another wide receiver and then another one. Next thing you know, it's super flex and I got no running backs and it's like the fourth round. And I'm just like completely screwed. So I didn't do as good in my, in my first year as I should have, but my receivers were still pretty good. So I've made the playoffs, but definitely it's, it's something you need to like learn and it's a system and it's just, but it's fun though. Like Scott fish is the most fun kind of thing to do in the off season. Um, you know, it's the biggest tournament. Everyone's in it. It's tons of fun, like networking with people in Scott fish bowl. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's tough. Last year was, it hurt. You know, I just drop all my fab on Jacoby Brissett. That doesn't feel good. <laughs> you know, people are like, you know, some people dropped 80, you know, some people dropped 90, but I was like, fuck it, man. Like I'm just dropping all the fab because that's the only shot I have at getting them. And if I don't get them, I'm really screwed. So yeah, that kind of hurt. That hurt. Yeah. Can't lie. That hurt. But it's a good time. Yeah. Levi, did I miss, did I miss any other questions? Before yeah, you, missed the rapid the, fire? you missed the two right above the one you just asked. Okay. What do you wish was different about the fantasy industry? In, industry. I can't even talk today. <laughs> I would say that it's tough, man. It's like, I don't really know how to say it in the nicest way, but I don't think it's as inviting as people think it is. It is to a point until you get so far. You know, like, there's definitely a lot of small nuances to it that aren't the best but that's like any industry you know every industry has its kind of like i want i don't want to say like downfalls but it's definitely you know when you start if you can meet the right group of people get in those retreat groups you can kind of build that following slowly but it definitely it's hard sometimes because once you get to have like you know like me like i'm not trying to say i'm big or anything like i have two thousand followers on twitter but it's hard to keep up with all those people's content you know, and so sometimes you feel bad. You're like, oh yeah, like I haven't checked out this guy's show and how long. And you're like, but that's, everyone's doing that because all these people are connected. All these analysts are connected. And so at the end of the day, we're all competing for the same thing. As much as we are friendly, we want to reach each other's stuff. Like I know when me and Ray started YouTube, it's like, cool, we're doing YouTube, but like people might retweet the stuff, but no one's really watching it. They're just trying to like support what we're doing but they're not necessarily watching the content. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like half-assed support, I guess, in that way. And I don't know if you guys ever felt that either, where it's like someone, you may ask someone to retweet it or they may do whatever. And depending on who they are, it's hard to support everybody. And so I know for me, I feel bad sometimes. I may not check out someone's show as often as I can. But then there's also the side where you're like, do they actually like, do they actually like my stuff? Are they kind of just checking me out for the time being and then, or they want something from me or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. And, and I didn't think, I didn't think that honestly till about a year ago when I kind of made the switch from dynasty years, it was just kind of like, there's a lot of very talented people in the industry, but 
they're not always tapped to their potential. And I'd say there's a lot of people who have a lot of skills that just are really underutilized in this space. Like it takes a lot to be a fantasy analyst. You need to know a lot of things and, but there's definitely something to everybody that they can contribute to a website, to a YouTube channel, to anything. And I think mm-hmm. that not enough, not enough people get an opportunity to do things like that, whether it's full time or just for fun, you know, like for me, I started a YouTube channel with Ray and I was working for a company who then proceeded to start a YouTube channel after I did. Right. And then they run a contest to say, Hey, subscribe to our channel. We'll give you a t-shirt, you know? And it's just like, it's, it was interesting. It was interesting for me, at least. It wasn't like I felt really any kind of way about it, but I was like, you kind of knew what I could do and you just never really approached me, but it was, it was just weird, you know? Um, I think, and I would say to you guys, you know, if you guys are trying to get bigger, you know, definitely try and reach out to people and, and find ways to use your talents. Like everyone out here has talents in the industry. And I would definitely say, you know, try and get to as many people as you can. Um, cause I have people asking me like, Hey, how did you do this? And I really don't know what to tell them other than work hard and, and, and show people that you do have talents beyond just knowing what player to start on Sundays, because a lot of people can do that. Right. And so yeah. like, if you're doing all the editing, maybe you say, Hey man, like, I'll help you edit your podcast or I'll help you with this or with that and kind of build those connections that way. Cause those are real, you know, those aren't like, Hey, can you reach my stuff? Hey, can you do this, do that? It's like, man, I legitimately want to help you. Like I actually like your work and I really want to help you with that. Um, that's why I tell people all the time to DM me if they have questions, I'll help you out. Like I can't necessarily build it for you, but I can definitely point you the right way and tell you a way that can get things done a lot easier than maybe you expect. You answered there that next question. So. Yeah, the next one was what you would tell someone trying to get, thinking about trying to get into the fantasy industry. Work so. hard, work very hard. It's <laughs> it's an easy thing to say, but the two things are find your niche and work very hard at it. Um, and that's where, I like, to like I was saying about you guys, is that like for me, I knew my niche wasn't writing. I knew that from the beginning, but it was kind of how I got my start. And so, if you don't have your start, write, write to get your start to build that following, and then find your niche. Because no one's really going to give you an opportunity unless you can do something really good, like really well. Maybe you're a graphic designer. Another, another underutilized space. If you know graphic design and you want to be in fantasy, there is a shitload of work for you. Like so much that people don't even understand. Like I'm not even a good graphic designer. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not classically trained. I didn't, I don't know anything, but people hit me up and they say, Hey, can you do this for me? Do that for me? Whatever. So there's definitely just a lot of untapped potential because like we talked about so many people are podcasters, writers, like 95% of people do that. And if you're in the 5% of people who do something else, you can just skyrocket up the industry, um, working for people and doing different things. And that's kind of like where I think my path is headed because it's just so much easier and you just don't have to deal with as much bullshit and political stuff with like arguing about, not necessarily arguing, but like debating to write different articles. And it's like, Oh no, I'm writing that article. It's just like, Gives a shit, man. Like we're gonna write about the same thing. So Good point. Making me think. If you Making can, me... man, like genuinely, if you if you can, <laughs> or even if you have the desire to want to learn some like new skill, there is like, and that's what I mean about YouTube. Like, I didn't realize there's nobody on YouTube. You know, like when I when me and Ray wanted to do YouTube, DLF wasn't doing YouTube, Dynasters wasn't doing YouTube. You know, like tons of people weren't, but now they are. And, and it's like, important hmm. to point out, like, 
That was a year, a year and a half ago that you started doing that, right? It hasn't been that, that long. Was, that was February. Yeah. Like, so February <laughs> we started and then like, you know, a couple weeks later, it's like, oh, let's do YouTube. Let's do YouTube. Everyone's doing YouTube. Um, and it's not just like, I don't, I'm not trying to say that like, we're like so much better. We got to it first. We like convinced all these people, but people definitely took notice of it. And, and I know me and Ray kind of felt like we were like kind of market disruptors in that sense. But the difference was, was we kept doing it. You know, some people kind of fell off with it a little bit because it's hard. It's a lot of hard work to put out, you know, two, three, four shows a week sometimes. And that is all Ray. I can't even take credit for that, but definitely pushing each other, having that mutual respect and drive and passion to work is what got us where we are. And it's going to keep pushing us forward every day. Yeah. Well, that's not just doing YouTube. It's doing it with quality and putting mm. in the time and the effort to put out a good product because yeah. anybody can go put out a YouTube video, but if it sucks, you're not getting any traction. Yeah. So I think that's the other important aspect of all of that. Yeah. It's, and that's where it's knowing, knowing what you can do. Right. But I would definitely say that your message is always more important than your visual. Your visual will improve as you do it. And as you have that willingness to learn, but if yeah. you never start putting something out there, you're never going to improve in that aspect because people are always going to be awkward on camera the first time. Even for me, I'm awkward on camera still. And I have like a camera that's probably sitting in the corner right now and just sitting there. But when I get on camera, I'm like, it takes me a little bit, you know? And, and that's why I would say, you know what, get your message clear. If you can, and for a lot of these guys, they have like what, $300, $400 mics. You have good audio. Use that to your <laughs> advantage. Like, just fucking put it on camera and people will watch. Yeah. And so that's where for me, it's just like, it's so simple. Like I said about the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing, like you put it on YouTube instead of just putting it on Twitter and all of a sudden you start getting subscribers on YouTube Yeah. because it's crazy. Like I remember when me and Ray put out the NFL draft reaction videos because it was so topical, those videos blew up like way better than any of our other videos. And it's just, you have to just try it, man. Like I think it's worth it. I really, yeah. really do. I really, really do think it's worth it. It's, it's a lot of work though. Yeah, so if so, you want to put in the work, then definitely do it. I, I'm, not, I'm not too familiar with TikTok, but what do you think about something like that? Or, or is that too short of videos? The problem with TikTok and, and the reason why it's not the best, I think, is because they're not timeless. Um, that's part about YouTube is the videos are always there. So like there's a yeah. lot of YouTubers who will say like, they, and the, I mean, fantasy is different because once something happens, it's over. Like it's not going to happen again, but we do have like a video of our, our most popular video on YouTube is talking about the 2021 class, which is crazy. You know, like why is our most popular video talking about the 2021 class? But the, one of the reasons why it's one of the most popular is it was when Trey Lance started getting traction. Right. So Ray's talking about Trey Lance in like April of this year. No one was talking about Trey Lance back then. The only person who was, was Mel Kuyper. And so we got a craft ton of leads from this ESPN video that Mel Kuyper talked about Trey Lance. But the thing with TikTok is like, like I said, it's, per, it's like semi-permanent. And, if, and the only one who really does it is the counselor and people, you know, people are iffy on the counselor. He's kind of, <laughs> it's polarizing. Yeah. It's kind of a, yeah. I'm not going to say anything bad about the counselor. Honestly, respect to him for having the following he does, even if he's kind of a jerk um you know he still found a way to make money doing it his way which ultimately is what we all wish we could do yeah brent so, are you familiar with the counselor no you need to get is on he, instagram and check him out oh instagram? man he's a, he's a d-bag but if but he has like a hundred thousand <laughs> followers on instagram yes yeah. right so 
I can't really <laughs> knock the guy. I don't have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, so yeah. you know. But he doing something right. He's very arrogant, right? And and for some people, they love that shit. You know, they love someone <laughs> who will talk their shit. And and he calls he calls everyone the conchipsis, like all the ESPN people and the ballers <laughs> and all of them. He talks shit about all of them. And he's like, I'm the one who's right, and I'm building everything right way, and all this. But you know, it is what it is, and it works for him. So I can't really knock it that hard, because he's probably making more money than I am doing shit that I'm not bold enough to do. And he's probably gonna beat you at the Scott Fish Bowl this year. No. <laughs> well, the funny the funny thing is, is he's in the same division as the Ballers, which is hilarious. I think Scott did that on purpose. I think Scott and Ryan McDowell did that on purpose, but yeah, they're in the same Scott Fishbowl division, which is hilarious. It's going to be awesome. So I'm going to try to recap everything we've covered so far. So I think one, and you correct me if I get anything wrong. Absolutely. Number one thing, get started doing something. And if you can, make it something different than what everybody else is doing. And number two. Do not write, do not podcast, unless you want to do it with something else. It's, It's just not worth it. Unless you, unless you're like Ray, unless you're like uh, Matt Kelly, like you have to, or like JJ Zacharyson, like you have to be really, really good, yeah. really, really good. And but definitely, I would try to find other avenues along with that. That's a great way to build the following, but you need to try and differentiate yourself. Yeah, do something different and keep improving, working hard. Absolutely. All right, we have some rapid fire before we hop into the actual episode. So we'll try to get through these pretty quick. And me and Brent will just alternate on these. The first one is, who's your favorite NFL team? I am a Patriots fan. And yes, they're going 0-16. <laughs> they need some more players to opt out for that. Time. Well, they can get your Trey Lance quarterback then. <laughs> no, I still want Trevor Lawrence. I'm, okay. I still want, still okay. want the pocket passer, traditional quarterback. Right. I'm cool with that. I'm, I'd just be cool with Trey Lance too. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tank for Trevor all day, you know, Cam, it's not worth it, man. Your shoulder could just, just stay home. Yeah. You know, chill with Donta Hightower, Patrick Chong, <laughs> the McCordy twins, they need to opt out too. They got families. <laughs> so, but yeah. Who's your favorite NFL player? Ooh, man, that's really tough. I would say Calvin Ridley. Ooh. I would say Calvin Ridley's probably my favorite player. I love his route running. That, it. That's it for me. I, I, I can't like, I broke down at his tape and I probably, I probably found over 30 minutes of him just running routes and Isn't I had it, to cut it down. Beautiful. Oh God. man. He's so good. He's so good. And that's, that's, I just have a, an appreciation for route running and he's just probably my favorite from the day he was, days he was in college. Always loved him. Nice. You and Brad cool. are match made in heaven. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I can't wait till we talk about the Falcons. In a couple of weeks, so I'm excited uh, for that one. <laughs> wide receiver one. Curtis Patrick said it. He's wide receiver one. Yeah. Would not be surprised. Yeah, volume's going to be there. Uh, who's your favorite fantasy player? Is it Calvin Ridley? Mm, that's tough. It kind of changes because of value. Um, He's up there. He's getting expensive, though. I think probably my favorite – one of my favorites to buy this year would probably be DK Metcalf. I think his value is still really good. Um, but yeah, really is getting a little expensive, if I'm being honest. People started tweeting about him in April and May, and I was like, hey, guys, like, relax. I still want to buy Calvin Ridley. But yeah, he's probably still one of my favorites. Um, 
trying to think of who else. I just I go all over the place in startups. I like Danny Dimes a lot. I don't know if you guys like Danny Dimes. I, I like Danny Dimes a lot. Danny Dimes is good. People have got to put some respect on Danny Dimes' name. <laughs> Brent, you asked the next one. If you could only play one, Dynasty, Redraft, or DFS, what would you play? Damn. I think it would have to be DFS. I'm, I, I still do love Dynasty, but, man, DFS is so much fun. It's you're the first one it's to say so that. much fun. It's so it's, much fun. It's got a I'm not a redraft vibe. guy anymore. I, I don't play as yeah. much redraft. Um, I just like a lot of best balls or a lot of like industry leagues that are drafted a little bit early. Uh, I'm definitely like dynasty kind of through and through, but TFS is pretty fun. Like, especially being so deep into dynasty, like, you know, all the players that are going to blow up in week one or, or have sleeper opportunities. Like you, I'm the guy that'll be starting Russell Gage, hoping he goes off in week one for Atlanta at like $3,000 on DraftKings. <laughs> it's, it's for me, it's probably just like the instant return on, on DK that I just love. Um, and I'm pretty good at it for football. Like a lot of us are just because we know so much. Yeah. Uh, Brent skipped one. So who's your current favorite college player? Mm-hmm. Rashad Bateman. Okay. You have to be Rashad Bateman. Just drafted him in my Debbie. My Debbie Boom. squad. Where'd you get him? Uh was it like five or six Levi? That's not bad. Yeah, it was there. a it was a depleted Debbie draft, so yeah, somewhere down there. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, I see him. He should be going that high in my opinion, but he doesn't. He goes like at one ten. It's crazy. Yeah. It'd be him or probably Amon Ra. is dope too. I love that guy. Would you rather watch college football or the NFL? I'm an NFL guy myself. Yeah, I still – I watch both, um, but I think I'm more of an NFL guy. I think I just – I like the polish from it, and I don't care as much for the high-scoring side of college. It's a little bit of an – it's just a little bit too much, not enough defense, especially when you're watching, like, Big 12 games, Pac-12 games, and you're all, like, 50 to 50. Yeah. I'm not really trying to watch that. It's, it's exciting, I guess, um, but when the games don't really matter – I don't really care for it where like I look at Oklahoma, Georgia, and I think it was the college football playoff. That game was exciting. But outside of that, like I don't need to watch Keenan Slovis throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns <laughs> every game, even though it's kind of fun. It's just, it gets old kind of quickly. Yeah. When it comes to evaluating players, do you prefer data or film? I'm definitely a film guy. I'm definitely a film guy for sure. I, I kind of go, I've been definitely mixing in the data side more. Um, you know, reaching out to certain people and kind of learning that side, the one things that are important, especially for wide receivers, because um, it translates a bit more. But um, I'd say I'm kind of like a amateur to intermediate data analyst and then definitely more of a film guy as far as my process. It's about 60, 40, 70, 30 on the film side for my evaluation. Your biggest fantasy pet peeve? Super flex values. I hate super flex values. It's so annoying. Like the the people who just draft like four quarterbacks in super flex is so annoying. I hate it. It makes me so angry. And it's, and it's not necessarily because I'm a late round QB guy. I'm kind of, I've kind of come around on that, but I just, it pisses me off so much. It just makes me so angry. <laughs> You know, like, it's like, dude, you have two quarterbacks. Why do you need to take another one? Like, you're just taking away from somebody else. And then they were like, 
oh, well, quarterbacks are the most valuable players in Superflex, so you're going to need to trade me two firsts for Derek Carr. And I'm like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. I'm not doing that. You know? So that's definitely the most annoying thing for sure. Do you think we get a full NFL season this fall? Ooh. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I tweeted out something probably like a week ago now talking about how people shouldn't be as concerned about the time because like, especially for the NFL, there's a week between games. So if the protocol is two weeks, it's kind of just like having an extra bye week. And the way I see it, if a team is shut down for two weeks and the NFL is able to make it work, what are the chances we have a season that goes from September to April instead of September to February? And at the end of the day, who's going to complain about that? No football fan's going to say, oh, no, like we want the season to end earlier. So I think they're going to find a way to play all the games. It just depends on how long it's going to take to get there. I'd take that. I would definitely take that. Then, right? Canceling. Right? Why wouldn't you want to take football? Like, sure, maybe the Chiefs don't play, you know, like every week, but maybe they play every other week or close to it. And you watch them until April or till May even, like as long as it takes them to finish the season. I think that would be awesome, personally. Like, I'd be all for that. Yeah. At what point do you think, though, that they can't push it back any further because it starts to interfere with the offseason and the next NFL season? Well, the only thing with that is I would, I would counterpoint the players. They have more time to rest, too, right? It's not like the biggest thing for the NFL is the rest, is that the season is so hard on them week to week if they really stretch out that season, they may have, you know, what be the equivalent of three, four, even five bye weeks. And then even once the season's done, let's say the season's done in March, it's, you know, for it's maybe done three months later or, you know, two months later, depending on when it normally is. But the NFL, they have a long off season. Like, it's not like they don't. We all know the NFL off season is way too long. I understand they have to recover all these things, but they really stretch it out. And so you think about protocols heading into next season. If things are still bad in April and March, I'm sure the NFL would have no problem shutting down for the three months or whatever they need. And then just starting back to it in July um, or even August, if need be. And they do the same thing. One month training camp, no preseason. I think this could be a start of no preseason, which would be great because, you know, the NFL season might start a bit later. And if they have to push it back, obviously they're able to accommodate that by still having, you know, like the May, June, July off and then just starting August and then going right into the year. It'll be interesting. Interesting. Do we, do we get a college football season this year? I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's tough, man. I don't think so. As much as they even want to do like the in-conference stuff, I just don't know how it works. There's because people need to realize there's even more players on college teams than there is on NFL teams. Mm-hmm. There's like a hundred guys on the sidelines sometimes and maybe only 70 are active, but there's all these people. And the biggest, the biggest issue, and I'm sure you guys noticed it too, is like, at what point is it okay for football players to play, but college campuses are still closed, you know, and then you're getting to the ethics of, they're playing to get the revenue and obviously they're doing that anyways, but at least NFL players and, you know, NBA players and all this stuff are getting paid. All these athletes are not being paid to risk their lives. And I don't know if you saw the thing about uh, the PAC 12 players who kind of banded together and they were like, we're not playing unless the conditions improve um, in the PAC 12. And so that was really cool to see. I'm not sure. I don't think it ever came out which players it was, but apparently there's a group of like pretty high, high level players that were like, yeah, we're not playing until like the status of the Pac-12 improves as far as safety 
and um, racial injustices go, which was really interesting. Yeah, there's quite a list of things that they want to be put down before they'll come back. So it wasn't just like, mm-hmm. pay me. It was very detailed and quite exhaustive. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. how that plays out. Uh, who's your favorite person in the fantasy industry? Have to be my man, Ray GQ. <laughs> Have to be my man, Ray GQ. Okay. Would you rather say anybody else? <laughs> would you rather build around a wide uh, running back or a wide receiver? I think running back. I think running back. I used to be a wide receiver first kind of guy, but I just I can't do it anymore. I lose too much when I do that. <laughs> PPR or non PPR? Oh, PPR. Man, standard are just I, I don't even I don't even know the last time I played in the standard league. <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. Much. Same as me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know last time I played in the standard league. That would be a disaster. I'd be drafting wide receivers way too early. <laughs> um, you kind of answered this earlier, but super flex or a single quarterback? I'm definitely super flex or die now. Um, <laughs> it's 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 just because I think like a lot of people, you know, you start in the industry with redraft, you go to dynasty, and then you're like, oh, how about you try Superflex? Cool. How about you try tight end premium? Sure. How about you try Devi? Cool. How about you try Campus Academy? <laughs> like, I'm so far on the end of the spectrum. I'm in like the point one percent of fantasy players now. Degenerates, where, I think they call them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right and so it's, it's for me if someone's like hey do you want to join like a single quarterback ppr league it's just it just doesn't it doesn't get the blood flowing you know i'm just <laughs> i'm just like oh yeah nah, not really you know like hit me up when you want to do like a like right now we're in i think a 40 round campus can league that we're just finishing up so the ncaa side is 40 rounds and then i think the nfl side is 30 so, like, imagine drafting 40 rounds in a 14-team league of college players. Like, yeah, I don't even know yeah. who I'm drafting right now. <laughs> Some guys from Hawaii and stuff. And they, they make it to the NFL. We were talking about that earlier this week. We're, we're going to get in one eventually. Maybe not this offseason, but next. They're lots of fun. Yeah. They're yeah. lots of fun. Like, I know fun. some of our patrons have been, have been doing that. Uh, they started up a couple. One of them is actually called the Devi Degenerates. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the campus again leagues, and we're doing one with our Heisman tier guys, which is tons of fun. Um, and then uh, Shaq uh, for Dynasty Tools, he's like big into campus kid, and so I'm sure he'll be starting up a whole bunch next season. But man, they're they're tons of fun. And what I'd say to anybody who's never done like IDP or anything like that, like that's the best way to learn is jump into like the hardest, most difficult format, and you'll learn way more, and they'll help you for the rest of your leagues. Yeah. Even if you're just in one, it'll help you scout these rookies earlier than. You normally would. Yeah. So you mentioned tight end premium. Do you like that or not? I'm still on the fence. I would say I do. I like I like the wrinkle, but I definitely do not draft tight ends early because of it. I still fade it pretty hard. Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs? I think I'm going to take Sanders. I think I'm going to take Sanders. Um, I think I like Philly a little bit more. I think I like his receiving ability a little bit more. I think I just like him a little bit more. I think I know your answer to this one based on your previous comments. AJ Brown or DK Metcalf? <laughs> Are we going on value or talent? Uh, whoever you like better, you let us know. However you want to interpret it. You can say whatever, however you want to answer it. Okay, so I think in a vacuum, I'm taking AJ Brown. 
And the reason why is because he had a thousand yards three straight years in college. He almost, I think he almost did, or he did have a thousand yards this year. He did. And that's just a level of consistency that you cannot pass up on us. And that's why he's a second round pick in dynasty right now. And he's, he's 22 years old and he's a stud and he's been a stud since he stepped on, stepped on the turf in Mississippi. I think as much as I love DK's upside, AJ Brown is just like, he's the shit and he's going to get it done every week and he knows it and other teams know it. That's what I love about him is that he doesn't, he doesn't make anything look hard. It's really annoying, but he's so talented. <laughs> he's so talented. He's got like the broadest shoulders ever. Yeah. <laughs> Najee Harris, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne? Oh, I said Etienne. I think I'd have to, um, I know Ray won't like that answer that much because he's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of on the Najee side. And I get why, um, but to be honest, I don't think him, Chuba, I don't think Etienne, Chuba, or Najee are going to be great running backs unless they get really great situations. Um, we've talked about it a lot, how many free agent running backs there are and how many good ones there are on top of that. It's not just that they're free agents, but they're all really talented. Am I going to gamble on Chuba or, you know, or Etienne? Etienne will probably be a good draft capital because he's so damn efficient. And that's, but that's why I think I would take him. I'd take the explosion even though he can't really catch, which kind of blows. But even if he ends up being like a kind of like a Derrick Henry who can still take a screen to the house and still can run for a shit ton of yards and be super efficient, break tackles, I think I'll take that. I think I'll take that. Uh, snake draft or auction draft? I have to go snake. I've messed up too many auctions in my day. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy that won't overpay for the studs because like, like to your point, I don't know if you've done baseball. I'm, I get yeah. baseball and it, and it kind of makes more sense. Football is fucked. Football is like you <laughs> blow half your budget on Saquon Barkley. I'm like, I can't do that. That's stupid, yeah. man. Meanwhile, Mike Trout is like a 25% budget guy in, in right. baseball. It just never really translated for me. And that's Base- one of the reasons why I've never done good in auctions for football. Baseball, you're awarded a lot more for self-control because there's a yeah. lot more likely to have like a whole bunch of mid-tier guys that will overcome yeah, teams have, that spent on two or three stones. Yeah, that talent that just shoot and baseball is so much more upside for a lot of guys. And in yeah. football, it's it's so top-heavy that once it falls right. off, it falls off, and everyone blows yeah. their budget on the top guys, and then it's just like everyone's doing dollar bids for the rest of their yeah. lineups. But <laughs> yeah, I've just I've never got back into it. Um, I'm I might at some point because, like I mentioned, you know, it, there's few formats I haven't done. Um, maybe I'll join one of Ryan McDowell's kitchen sink leagues at some point. Um, because everyone says those are a ton of fun. But um, yeah, right now for me it's still snake. Um, but yeah, auction maybe in the future. People like it, and I get it. I just I've always sucked at it, so I just can't bring myself to do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather play with or without defense and kickers? Without. I don't have a single lead with defense or kicker. Nice. Last one before we hop in. So Friday Night Lights, do you like the movie better or the TV show? Definitely the TV show. Yeah. Definitely the TV show. The TV show. Awesome. And, I, I and the TV shows, it's, it's a really good show. Um, and I know for me at least, I think I just like the longevity of it. You know, I might watch it every two or three years, every year even, yeah. just to kind of get back into that football vibe. It's kind of like watching draft day before the draft. <laughs> you just, the movie's good, but it's, it just, obviously it's, for me, it's just the longevity of it. And I love watching the show. It may take me, you know, two, three weeks or whatever, where the movie is just like the movie and it's done. It's a great movie, but definitely prefer the show over the movie if I had to pick one. 
Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, Like I said, you know, if anyone ever wants to have me on as a guest, more than happy to. Um, Everyone has to start somewhere. I appreciate you guys are doing, man. You guys are going about the right way. You guys are good dudes. You guys are humble. You're smart. You're rattling off stats that I'm like, I completely forget about because I'm just always all over the place. But definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling to see people who aren't afraid to reach out to someone. And I reach out to people all the time, you know, people that I don't think I have access to, but you know, you gotta extend that, you gotta extend that hand and you never know what comes back. And I'm not trying to say I'm like any better than you. I'm, I'm not at all. I don't want you to think I am. I'm not, my follower kind of doesn't mean shit. I'm basically behind the scenes only. You guys do amazing work. You guys do a really good job. We're on a smooth podcast. We've been on the air for fucking like three hours almost. And I've, and I've had a lot of fucking fun. I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. I love to hear that. That's my goal whenever we have guests on is we want you to have a good time and hopefully we'll make some good content. Everybody's having a good time. Yeah. Post it all on YouTube. Just short segments. Jordan's motivational speech on working. Jordan's (laughs) motivational speech. You know, just, I, I would, I would tell you, man, even for you guys, you know, if you can do it, do it if well, you I feel can, like we have to now if, if we're gonna have you on we can't not <laughs> it is, do that right it's a very underutilized space very very even by the people that you think are massive they don't do shit on youtube they it's, don't it's funny you mentioned asking people or reaching out to people so i'm sure you're familiar with ian harditz of pff yeah uh i follow him on twitter and i'm sure you probably do too but uh he responded to adam schefter's tweet uh of it was like a picture of Philip Rivers and his new uniform for the Colts. And he responded with this tweet about Ben Roethlisberger and how many targets he fed Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know if you happen to see this tweet or not and how that could translate to opportunity for Deontay Johnson and James Washington this year, in addition to Juju. And it was like, made no sense because it was in response to a tweet about Philip Rivers in a Colts uniform. And so I responded to Ian and I said, Sir, this is a Colts tweet, and that was my most successful tweet ever on Twitter. He got like 160 likes or something. So finally, That's after so it started funny. racking up all these likes, I responded again to Ian. And I was like, Ian, do you want to come on the podcast and discuss this uh, sequence of events that <laughs> went on here to see if he could explain what was going through his head when he sent that tweet out? And he never responded, but I was like, oh, I might as well ask him because I know he's seen my tweet with how many likes it's got and all this stuff. And he never deleted it, so I don't know. Like, I guess I give him props for that, but I don't know why he did that or if that was just a mistake or what. But yeah, that's like if you want to hear a funny story, actually, before <laughs> I head out. Um, so when when Ray first got con- got contacted by FTN to do the to sponsor the All Gas Show, the plan was to do the redesign. So if you guys seen the new design versus the old design, we plan on doing a redesign with new colors, all this stuff. So I had to actually at like respond to Elliot Chris on Twitter to be like, yo, Elliot, DM me. Cause he wasn't following me. And like, I can't reach out to Brad Evans. I can't reach out to Kevin or any of these guys. Cause I didn't really know them back then. And Jeff, same thing. Like that none of them followed me on Twitter, but I did follow Elliot. And so Ray's like, yo, reach out to Elliot. I'm like, but he doesn't follow me though. So I literally at him on Twitter <laughs> and then Ray responds. Ray's like, wow, you actually replied to this guy's tweet on Twitter. And he just like roasted me and he got so many likes. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just trying to do my job. Like I just need to redesign this show. I need their logos. Like I need all this stuff. It was so funny though. I died. He fucking flamed me for yeah. that. Not only does like, he make you do it that way. And so presumably like he could have just contacted Elliot for you and said, Hey, yeah. hit up. And then he I, like, roasts you for actually doing it. 
<laughs> yeah, because they sent like uh, they sent a JPEG and it had a background and I needed the PNG. So I'm like, dude, like I need the actual logos to do this properly. I can't just like do the fucking mock-up I did. So I literally had to add them. And I was like, oh my God, I look like such a fucking loser. <laughs> but I had to do it. And then he ended up following me and, and DM me after that, which is hilarious. And now we're like actually friends and we talk yeah. and stuff. We're going to get Ian Harditz on the show someday. And I'm going to remind him of that tweet. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Like, honestly, shoot your shot. Um, <laughs> because you never know. You you never know. There's a lot of people that come on podcasts who you just never expect, you know? Yeah. And it's just good to have that connection. Well, and I was like, that's my only shot of ever getting him anytime soon, right? Yeah. It's like something funny like that or we can talk about that and he'll like, you know, be cool about it or whatever. So it didn't work yeah. out this time, but I'll keep shooting those shots. Yeah, man. There's lots of people like that. Uh, yeah. Marcus Grant's another one who's really good for that. He'll he'll hop on shows and stuff, and it's and, awesome. and it's, it's interesting because some people are kind of too big, and so they'll be like, "Oh, I'll give you half an hour. I'll give you 20 minutes." It's like, yeah, come on, man. Like, it's a podcast. All these podcasts are like an hour, yeah. an hour and a half. You like, you know how it goes if you're in the if you're in the industry. But you know, it is what it is. I get it. People's time is is valuable, and for some people, it's not worth it to go on a small podcast. For me. I got tons of time and I appreciate you guys having me on so much. I really do. Uh, it's humbling. You know, it's not like I'm getting tons of requests for podcasts. So I definitely appreciate you guys wanting to have me on, hear my story, um, hear my wisdom. Cause some people just see me as the video guy. So like this guy probably doesn't yeah. even know anything about football, but I like to think I surprise people sometimes. Yeah, it was great. You did an awesome job, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. So you can hop off whenever you want. You don't have to sit around and, hang out with oh. us but we're happy to say, have you we, if you want did to. we even finish the podcast like i kind of just <laughs> we just we just kind of kept talking i was like oh shit like i don't even know then when you started asking more questions i was like oh shit like are we still on like are, no. are they gonna keep this in i don't even know no i'm not familiar with tim horton i, I, <laughs> I think it's like their version of dunkin donuts basically really i've never, <laughs> never heard of that but poutine What's yeah. that? What is... <laughs> it's like French fries that you dip in gravy. <laughs> okay. Interesting name. <laughs> I can't believe you never heard of it. I, I didn't. Some restaurants in the States have it now. Huh. Poutine, poutine, poutine.